Six-Pack Lapidot, I want to give a quick shout-out to our partners, the strength guys in this app that we have. It can be found at positionsofpower.programs with an S dot app. And the strength guys who coach people like Taylor Atwood, have you heard of him? He's pretty good. Uh, they've had several world champions, several national champions, and uh, I mean, a laundry list of records, national records, world records have been broken, etc. But they have an app with their elite level programming available, video tutorials. Uh, I mean, the whole nine, it's one stop shop once you're in here. There's a Discord where they're doing video review of your lifts. Um, to get all your lifts analyzed so you get elite level programming and coaching for $29.99 US a month. Positionsofpower.programs.app. Go there and get yourself started. <laughs> All right, here we are. It's the Virginia Pro uh, recap show. We were just touching up a stitch on the European Championships. At this point, um, it's only been the junior so far. And um, yeah, I mean, I, we don't have to go too much into the J- European juniors or, or what's going on, but we are just saying how uh, you had seen a call get overturned that was two reds, and he was about to bomb. Yeah, he had, he had missed his... Uh... First two, he had did 260, 260, so he'd even go up and then missed his third two blow cards, I think, the chief and the side. So here's – and then you had suspected. So the commentator – what happened? I'll let you tell the story. I mean, I didn't watch the first and second. I just tuned in and saw the third one. It, it looked good. They gave him two blue cards, and the commentator was like, I'm not sure what the blue cards was for. I, I don't know what to tell you all. And then like three or four minutes later, he's like, oh, the jury went and talked to the referees and overturned it, and they're in the meet. And they end up getting a fifth place, looks like. So they end up doing well. Um, I didn't see what the Italian lifter was called for, that they end up bombing out. But I, I don't know if it's a – if it was the elbows, because the elbows passed the or touched the legs, but that's supposed to be yellow card. But it seems to be, I guess, a thing with some of his meets where maybe they have some kind of uh, meeting or discussion, whatever, like that. Because at Bench Worlds, they had like a, I guess, a referee meeting. They started calling everyone on soft elbows at the beginning. Then at Worlds and here, I guess maybe they had discussion on elbows touching legs on squat because everyone was getting called on it at Worlds. Here's what I don't like about this one. Because correct me if I'm wrong, and you would know, Arian. Um, b- being a ref, it's got to help support the squat. No, can't it's not just touch the legs, you got to actually assist yourself, and that's very difficult. Like, if I try to assist my squat with my elbows on my legs, that's a fucking difficult thing. I don't even know if I could do it if I tried. If you told me I'm gonna fail you unless you could support yourself and use your elbows to help, I need at least five percent help from your elbows. I'd be like, I might bomb out, bro. Cause I don't even know if I can. So that's how rare it should be. It shouldn't be a call. That's like, this is something we got to crack down on to my mind's eye. Am I wrong? I, I agree with you that. Uh, I mean, I don't know what exactly you would consider supporting the legs uh, or supporting the, the elbows on the thighs. Other than maybe if it was like a 90 degree angle, if like the elbow comes directly 
into the thigh and is using it to hold your torso up. But if it's at an angle, which most, most people is, torso's at an angle, the elbows are at an angle, and they brush back by the thighs, I don't see how that can be support. Uh, unless you're going to make some kind of complaint that they're like, claim that they're supporting and blocking the view of the referee and be able to see the hip crease, which, again, I, like I said, it, it, I agree with you. It would have to be like, you know, very obvious that they were using it to like prop themselves up. Also, on the flip side, I think, too, as far as juries, that you're supposed to only overturn extreme situations, like blatantly obvious mistakes that are made, not like, oh, questionable, like I thought it was, you know, a quarter of an inch in, you thought it was a quarter inch above, let's overturn the referees. Maybe they didn't like that call, though. Maybe they that, also. That, for that, that one in particular. Yeah, I mean, for that one in particular, I agree with, but all these, like, questionable, like, you know, was it to depth or not, and, and they overturn it, like, it should be very obvious that it was, like, you know, referees just completely missed the call just like in, in in a football game or something like that if they say it wasn't a touchdown and clearly on the video it looks like that the ball passed and it's a touchdown then obviously you overturn if not you leave the call as stands on the field now do they use video replay now officially we know there's always video replay kind of floating around and i mean they show video replay on the jumbotron sometimes and if you're in the jury you're gonna see shit so it's not but officially are they allowed to now um, be like, let's take a look at the video. I, I thought it was official the first time I saw it. Bill and I were there in uh, in Belarus. Yeah, 20, maybe it was. Uh, 2017 it was. was it, Bill? Yeah. That's the first time I saw a monitor on the jury table and they were watching the replay when they overturned Sean Uriga's third deadlift. So that's when I thought it was official. Ooh. But I'd heard rumors that they were discussing with the coaches committee or maybe the rules committee of making that, making it official as far as like seeing instant replay and stuff like that. And maybe having it at more meets and having it in the rule book. So maybe next year is the official, official year. I mean, what, what, what do you guys feel about that? Some people are like, don't put technology in it. It's going to slow it down, bog it down, strike zone changes. You just take it. Or do you guys be like, no, we, we lean, we lean into this. We need because some people don't like the jury getting involved. And some people, I don't know. How do you feel? Uh, let me get all your impressions. But, Arian, you first because you are obviously a ref. Bill, do you ref as well? Do you judge as well? No. Okay. No. My, my, my initial thought would be for certain things, that it's fine. Just like in other sports, that certain calls you can challenge and look at replay. Certain ones you can. can't. I mean, if it's like someone saying there's a misload, pull up the replay, see if it's a misload. If someone's saying like, you know, their butt was off the bench, pull up the replay, see if it's obviously off the bench or not. For other ones like like depth calls or or like other like smaller things like that or subjective things, maybe just leave it as is. You have the referees, they're supposed to be experienced, just move on with the meat. Bogs it down. It's going to be controversial, man. This is, this is it in all sports though. But if you have like... um the Viva TV that can pull up the, you know, 30 seconds instant replay really quickly. You can see things like a misload or things like, um, you know, was their butt completely off the bench or not really quickly. Now, if you want to start going and replaying every single depth call and going like, yeah. you know, frame by frame and pausing it. Yeah. It's going to take forever. That's right. There has to be with any new technology, it's going to be growing pains. And eventually we got to get into a situation where it's like, we're not doing depth calls unless like, fuck, what if the depth call was blatant? You know, what if it's like for the world championship or something's about the bomb and it's a blatant, oh my God. Bill, what do you think, sir? I think one of the biggest issues is that there's pretty much one camera. So you're only getting one angle of the the um, the lift where you have three referees getting three different angles making the calls. So if the, let's just say the, the, the camera's from the front and the head referee gives it a white light already, 
then it's probably going to get overturned because it looks good from the front, right? If the if the the side calls are the ones that are the reds, kind of thing. So I think that's part of the issue. I mean, it would be obviously take longer but more thorough if there was three cameras next to the three referees so you can see the three different angles of why they made that call the way they did but regardless i think it's a it's a good good thing um i know arian got in trouble with people thought he was uh bribing the jury at one point yeah, on Reddit and, he like and he did and he did and to their defense he was but <laughs> but um to your to your uh cameras bill like so um like I know your point, like IPF world has more than one camera, but not all of them will. So then it becomes like, um, like let's say IPF worlds. Cause they have like butt cam they, where they literally could see blah, blah, blah. Right. Not all of them are going to have that. So then it becomes like a big discrepancy in judging or big discrepancy in like the ability to go to the jury. And then it's, you know, do you just say like, Oh, well, like, does that get written in? where like, all of a sudden, if it's international, um, the IPF's like, you need a butt cam there because this is becoming an issue. Because if Europeans doesn't have it, but Worlds does, some people are like, well, it becomes unfair almost, right? Like the judging almost changes. The standard of judging will change from Europeans to Worlds unless you do it. So then all of a sudden, we're going to start getting into, get stuff, man. Like you said, it'll start becoming a piece of it. Arian, at the NAPFs this year, did they have a butt cam? No, Um I'm trying to remember what other angles Mike had. He usually has one from the backdrop, like the top-down view, and then one like the head view. Uh, but I don't think we had the butt cam. Even with the the butt cam and a depth cam, depending on like on squat, like how far the person walks out and where their spotter is, or on the butt cam, like depending on how uh, short or tall the lifter is and how much the arch, it might just be like perfect where like you know their leg is blocking it on that person. But for the other people, you see their butt directly. So. Even then, because you don't have all angles, it's not a pro sport where you can have like moving cameras and different <laughs> angles like that. It can be uh, difficult depending on how the person sets up. Uh, all man. three referees start wearing, you know, your cameras oh, on their foreheads so they can see what they're seeing. <laughs> Perfect. Um, uh, listen, Everyone's wearing cameras. <laughs> yeah, it, beca- yeah, it turns into a freak show. Um, I think too, d- don't quote me on this, I'm not for sure, but I think like, for instance, at Worlds, they're setting up cameras for the live feeds purpose. So yeah, of course. Came- but yeah, so butt cam happens to be perfect for judging if the butt came up, but it actually helps for the story and the view. Um, like you're like, wow, that that did pass. Take a look. It does stay down. But maybe in the future they start doing cameras specifically for because the the shots that Arian's talking about, the overhead, whatever, perfect on the bench to see the bench happen, whatever. You see like the person grinding it out and fighting if you see the facial expressions. Um, but yeah, it's not going to help in terms of a jury. So what if like, eventually you might start up doing setting up cameras specifically for this? Tori, what do you think? Um, no, I think it's a good idea. I think it, it might actually save time on like lifters and coaches arguing with the jury. It's just like, here, look at this video. Well, and everyone's like, oh, okay. I guess, I guess it was high. And then it's over, you know? It's not like going back and forth for a while. And it's not like they're going to have to use the cameras for every person for every lift it's like only one a lift is like has two two to three red lights then that's when they would go and look at it so yeah two yeah. out of three reds and then um well or you two out of three whites or right sorry well they well, if you're gonna party. make it bad yeah. if you want yeah, to yeah, 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 right, right. yeah. yeah that's true too yeah if yeah. you're gonna take it away i didn't even think about that but you're right <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna take it you're away. right if well, um, that would have to be another rule right it's like yeah. If, if it's a good if it's considered a good lift like then the judges can't go back on that even if 
they do. But like, like well, they can as long as there's two, the if it's two to one either way, they can go. the The jury can overturn it. it what, what, but what the in terms of protesting it is there? There's a rule too, though. Like, are you? Is there? Is there a cap on how many times you can protest or whatever? It's like a no. You as long as you have enough money, you're good to go. As long as you got that dumb <laughs> or, money, talk. Or, as long as you or, got e money bags like Arian over here. Yeah. Or Bill, Bill, if you have enough power, you can protest three reds like at Open Worlds. Right. Oh wow. <laughs> oh wow. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, guess I guess technically you could if you're gonna have uh, instant replay and have these angles, you can just have it like an NFL where they have a crew that just watches the videos and they buzz down if there's an yeah. issue. Literally, you don't have to protest. You just have the jury look at it. And if they thought it was an issue, they watched the replay, see the butts up, they just overturn it. There's no need to to protest at all. It'll, yeah, it is going to be some growing pains because you don't want to interject too often. On the flip side, you don't want people on the live see on the live feed seeing something that's blatant, and they're like, "Oh, what the shit!" And the, and and sometimes the jury just doesn't straight up see it by the wrangle, like a butt coming up sometimes on a weird angle when like the femurs and the way people are laid out specifically, it's just tough on the setup but it's blatant on the live stream because of certain camera angles. And then the jury sees it and they're like, fuck, we got to get involved. Cause this is, you know, <laughs> yep. but you don't want to interject too much. You got to, sometimes it's part of sports. There's a little bit of controversy, right? Is, is, was that in the strike zone or, or whatever the hell um, I, I would use more football terms and shit, but I'm not a football but, guy. But I feel like the strike zone is more like depth or you could even say right. like, Oh, is, was the shoulders back on the deadlift or not? Or, or like, you know, a little smaller stuff like that, as far as like yeah. their grip, their grip width, or were they actually fully covering the ring, or they kind of like cheating a little bit. But something like the butt being completely up, that's obvious. And I know from a referee perspective, for some of these venues, it's a tight setup. You can't set your chair far enough back to get a good angle. So you're like almost over the lifter looking down, and it's harder to see the butt come up. Whereas the jury's really far back. And they can see exactly the butt come up. And so sometimes it's beneficial in that case where the referees just can't get a good setup um, and the jury just has to come and overturn it. And I'm telling you, man, they see the, they see the replays. So they're like, they're like everybody at home. You could be an expert when it's live and it's like, like a second long, it's tough. But when you have a slow-mo replay from an amazing angle, you're like, bam, I'm going to walk in here like Eagle Eye Bill and take this out. Right. But um, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, anyways, interesting. Uh, the juniors right now in the European is going on. I got myself into beef with team great Britain, which sparked a maybe KOTL discussion on good TV shows later, but, um, Britain is all over in my DMS and tagging me and Britain's got shooters. And um, I don't know. I don't even know how good they're doing. I'm going you know, what we, we forgot to do on the European show was pick team points and all the rest of it like that. It is what it is, whatever we could do it next time. But, um, Anyways, let's move on to the Virginia Pro Show. That's what we're here for. The Virginia Pro Show kind of sort of turned into the Ashton Rouska show, but we do have some breakthrough performances, some comebacks. Um, We got some storylines here to talk about. Off the top, Ashton did work just like we all unanimously thought, and I think the whole powerlifting community thought Ashton was going to do work, but exactly how much work was he going to do? Well, 955.5 kilo to be exact for a 118.811 um, IPF points. Freaking ridiculous. Um, he came in a little heavier this time. He was, he was, he was a little thicker this time and it obviously helped out. And maybe if thicker Ashton keeps showing up, maybe it'll be a little more consistently on the other side of 950. 
for his total. Uh, but uh, and then Brendan Petrie, I messaged my man in the DMs. I was like, how do we say your last name, my man? And he said, Petrie. And I was like, all right, say less. I got you. Uh, coming in with a 895 kilo total. His body weight was 93 kilo, 0.85, sorry. Just a stitch over 93 kilo with an 895 kilo total. Don't have to remind you now, obviously, um, Keiko was hit 892.5 and he's full well capable. But holy smokes, as Brandon Petrie really showed up. Um, we'll discuss in a stitch if he's your breakthrough star, but he's really done well and he's on everybody's radar right now. Massive PR for him. Bob Matthews, talk about massive PRs. How about an 82.5 kilo PR, my friends, to come in third? Bob Matthews, Tori's all smiles. She, she was predicting he's going to come up. He came up um, a 912.5 kilo total, 115.468 points. A freaking crazy come up by Bob Matthews. And then um, that, that's third place. Coming in fourth place, Austin Perkins with a 780. Now, Austin came in fourth. I had him coming in second. I was hoping maybe 800 plus. He's hit 800 kilo before. Um, he was all types of confident coming in, had some great lifts and training, and ended up with a 780. Um, it's not, I mean, fuck, for a 74 kilo lifter, it's, it's a phenomenal total. Absolutely no doubt about that. But... To his own admission, in, in his post, he said he did not execute and felt as though he is lifting below where he sees his standard. And, and, and we've seen him do 800. So I would have to agree with him. I thought he was going to hit 800 and maybe 800 plus. Natalie Richards, and we're going to go around and start talking to everybody. I'm just going to give some quick highlights here. Uh, the top five anyway. Natalie Richards, weighing at 56.15 kilos, so under 57 kilo. With a 485 kilo total, absolutely monster total, um, 115.068 on the points and had a massive performance. And she's a junior, by the way. So she's going to do damage. And then um, we will discuss some of the other performances. But uh, who wants to dive in here with how this worked? Tori, what are your thoughts? Let me hear what you think about what you saw and what I just rattled off in terms of the rankings. Yeah. Well, I, Brandon Petrie was not even on my radar. So to have him come in second was crazy. Like as soon as he hit his first squat, I was like, Oh shit, (laughs) I messed up. (laughs) And then he had like a really good day after that, just missing his uh, third squat and last deadlift. So he was a breakthrough performance for sure. I'm not sure how big, do you know, like, um what total pr that was for him uh 895 895 kilo right i believe 50 kilo total pr 50 oh total pr yeah sorry so yeah yeah, yeah. so that's like really big as well and then um natalie was the other person i did not have on my list which i knew she was gonna do amazing but it was so difficult to tell where her points would end up because i didn't really know where her body weight was and she doesn't really post lifts um, like when, uh, as she's peaking. So by the end of her prep, like it's hard to tell where she's going to end up. So that was like a super impressive performance by her. It, 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 it is um, like Bob Matthews. Here's the thing. 
some people are like, well, you, I got some people in DMs. Like whenever you do it, whatever, it happens every time and it's cool and it's playful. But people are like, man, you really didn't see, see my man coming. And I'm like, listen, if someone is a 50 kilo PR or a 90 kilo PR or whatever the shit, you know, Jim, we know gym lifts are gym lifts and they're not on the platform yet. It's hard to see that coming sometimes. Or if you're like, um, like Perkins, obviously I had him on second, uh, but he's hit 800. It, it, you know, and conceivably at his age, you're not regressing or anything. So you're thinking he's going to hit 800 or more maybe. Right. So it stands to reason some of these picks it's tough, man. Look at the hardest thing about sports is predicting. And when it comes to powerlifting, I don't, it might be one of the toughest sports to predict. What do you think, Bill? What it's interesting. Think? I mean, it, when it, when Austin hit that 800, he would have been like 0.3 behind Ashton's IPF score on this one. Now, obviously, Ashton like threw up four, 400.5 kilos on his last deadlift and threw the Hail Mary out there, got it past his knees. Yes, um, he so did. He wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have done that, obviously. But like that's how that 20 kilo difference right there you know, with him would have been, you know, whatever, fifth place, the second place or whatever ended up being like that's or set fourth place, the second place. That's how thin those margins are. Um, yeah. I knew Bob was, you know, bumping up the weight to the hundred kilo class. So I didn't actually have him in my top five, even though I knew he was going to PR something big, but I didn't realize it would be that big, you know, with, so, you know, the whole gaining weight slash, you know, putting up the big PR, I thought it would kind of minimize it a little bit. Um, and then, like I said, I had, I had Brandon in my top five, um, had Natalie in my top five. So I think I did much better than Tori in this whole thing. So that's pretty good. I love Bill's straight. The, the way he does, we're total opposites when we deliver. He's the straight man when he does it. Sassy Bill. Yeah, no, there's just, I mean, a, a ton of, ton of cool performances. Like this is, you know, possibly, I mean, okay. For sure, this was the best session of lifting the whole year so far. I mean, you know, IPF Worlds and stuff like that, there was different sessions. And, you know, I'm going to call that a better meet overall. That's fine. But as far as a session goes, you know, this was the highest quality lifting that there's been all year in one session for sure. Um, but you have got, you know, my guy Jake Amendola going 907, Daniel Clements going with a 720. Um, I mean, Angelo had a good meet. I mean, you just go down this list and then, you know, Jamar bumping up to 91 kilos and like <laughs> just missing a, what, a, a 347 and a half squat, like ridiculous, ridiculous day put on by everybody. And one thing I did really like is that people didn't really care about what they weighed, right? When you have something like this, they just kind of showed up and they lifted and they all showed out, man. It was like, you know, there wasn't, you know, because Jamar's obviously had the problems with the weight cuts and Michael C with the weight cuts and all that kind of stuff. Like um, now you see these guys just come in and weigh whatever they weigh and, you know, drinking and eating into the weigh-ins and all of a sudden they're putting up these totals and you're like, what just happened? Like, this is, this is great. You know, there's no weight classes in the jungle anymore. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> <laughs> this is true. And, um, you know, obviously it was good to see Ray Williams back. Um to you know almost top form you know you put up what what 10 25 or something like that total you know squatted 455 kilos you know another cool cool thing and about his body weight was way up too man 194 kilos he weighed in at yeah. like my man was ready to go for sure yeah. um, 
<laughs> Ryan liked another, that so much. <laughs> no, I'm just and it's just another crazy thing, right? I mean, he puts up what was it, about 20 kilos less than Jesus one world's with, right? And he ends up in like 17th place at this meet. <laughs> so that's how you know crazy these points are, right. and how no, I'm saying how stacked that those these middle classes are with the 105s, or I guess the the hundred, the the 90 kilo, 100 kilo, and the 110 kilo guys are. That like that's where the the bulk of these champions are going to come from these pro meets now because of how much those guys are pushing it. So what it'll be interesting to see going forward where they do the cuts in the weight classes. Cause they're going to do a lightweight, a middleweight and a heavyweight champion for these different pro events going forward. So it'll be interesting to see what weight classes fall into what category and you know, then who can win some money kind of thing. Yeah. Cause it's tough when Ray does what he did and, and he, you know, the points is tough. That's a tough one for, you know, specific individual like Ray, like, like Ray's story was phenomenal. He squatted over a thousand pounds again. And then his total, it was, it was 1,022 and a half, like okay, 22 sorry. kilo and a half. But, um, it, 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 like, it's, it's not like you said, not exact quite vintage Ray, but we're back over a thousand kilo total yeah. or a thousand pound squat. Like he's, he's running hot and it's tough when he's running that high still, you know, he's got absolutely no chance of even being competitive here where it's like, that's tough. But if they do, like you said, if they're cutting it with sectionally, um, so heavyweight man, middleweight, et cetera. We'll see. Well, we'll have to see how it shakes up. I don't know. I, I, but either way, it, it was, it's fun anyways. Like Ray's not showing, Ray's not worried about it. Um, Arian, what are your thoughts, sir? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe my picks are better than Bill's. I'm not too sure. But, you know, o- overall, uh, I think it was hard for everyone to pick. And just looking at the results, it looks like there was five lifters that were between 114 and 116 points, which is what we thought. Like, there's going to be a whole bunch uh, there in the middle after after Ashton, and it's going to play out certain ways. So, like, you know, I picked Ashton first. He got first. I picked Austin second. He got fourth. I picked, uh, you know, Bob fourth. He got third. I had uh, Michael as my 5A and Natalie as my 5B, and Natalie got fifth and Michael got sixth. So the, the two the two ones I got got off were you picked Sam. You didn't pick Natalie. Get the fuck no, out of here. No, I picked no no. I'm <laughs> not done yet. I'm not done yet. You're done. Picked, you're done. You're done. You're not. You're, you're not. You're not listening. You're not listening that I picked better than you. I picked Natalie as my 5B, and she got five, fifth. Wait a minute. <laughs> we are doing A's and B. Bill, Bill started it. Bill started. Go oh. go back. I don't go think back, I did that. That's go not... back and listen. Bill started also on the preview. We talked about Bob Matthews doing a two thousand pound total, so we were all aware. We all talked about it. the two that I missed out on, which you guys also see missed out on. One of them was Brandon Petrie. I didn't have him in my my top five, five, top six, and he ended up getting second place, putting on that fifty kilo total PR. And from like twenty nineteen to 2020, 2020, I believe he did like a forty kilo PR. So he's like really blowing up his numbers from when he first started, like in 2017, 2018. And the other one is, yeah, I had Sam as third, Bill. I had Sam as third, and she ended up getting, you know, seventh or something like that, mostly due to due to the body weight I looked at. Because I was like, oh, yeah. man, her, her total is really good, but it was like her previous best points was like 61.5 kilos, and now she's like 64.5 kilos. So those three kilos hurt her, where if she was still 61.5, she would have been right there around the 115 points. So th- those were the two ones that, that I had off um, – and and like I said, the, I I think everyone was kind of like up in the air as far as those middle of the pack because like Bill said, no one was worried about weight, so you had no idea what people were going to come at. 
And so Brandon comes a little bit over. Bob almost comes at 100. You know, um, Daniel comes a little bit over. Uh, um, you know, Jamar comes over. Justin Rogers almost already at 100. So it'll be interesting to see now if those guys are kind of uh, already planning that for the new weight classes and also just said school will just stay here um, for this um, for this meet. And maybe they'll stick with that going forward as well. I'm wondering if like some individuals initially were thinking, like if, if Daniel Clements was thinking, if I can make 66 kilo, I would like to maybe take a swing at some records there, just even if unofficial, but it'd be fun too, right? But, um, and then because he's close to 66 kilo, we've seen him way heavier. We know it's a tough cut to 66. So when you get that close to 66, but fall just short of making 66, I wonder if initially it's like, let's take it, let's take a look at it. And then if it's getting to be a rough cut, you're like, okay, well, we don't actually have a way in. So I don't want to hamper my performance. So then if it's just like, all right, let's stop there because it's not worth, it's all unofficial anyways. So I, I you know, you, you never know with certain storylines, right? Um, not everybody's necessarily showing their cards. Like it would have been very interesting if um, Brennan Petrie actually weighed in exactly 93 kilo um, and then try to post up a, a monster total. He already had a monster total. Um, again, like I get it. It's not like it's different to do that here. You know, Keiko did eight ninety two and a half here, but travel to the other side of the world, blah, blah, blah. Things get tougher. So I'm not, you know, I get it totally, but just for the sake of if certain people have goals for unofficial records and stuff. Um, but having said that, so yeah, it, Ray Williams was definitely one of the storylines. Um, David Wilson hit a, an American record, 373 kilo Angelo Fortino. He, um, he had posted talking about how his total dipped a little, not a lot. He stayed in the 800 kilo, which is good for his weight class, but he got to finish his day with a monster 350 kilo pull. So it kind of swung it back around for him. Finished strong. Anyways, Jamar, as, um, Bill had mentioned a 337 and a half kilo squat, which is, I believe also a record, an American record. Anyways, uh, Michael C with a 785 kilo. Now, Michael, Michael had said he was actually, he, he weighed in pretty light. What was his body weight? Was it 75 kilo? Mm-hmm. 75 Now this was a, this was surprising to me because he had left 74 kilo a while back. Like it's, it's, I, I don't know the exact date, but a significant amount of time back, he had left 74 kilo before the U S left in the whole nine. He's like, you know what? I'm, I think part of the performances that I've been feeling with cramps, et cetera, was due to weight cutting. I'm done with 74 kilo. Pretty good. Sounds good. So he he left it. Surprised. Here's one of the surprising things for me. You know, and I'm going to ask you guys what surprised you maybe about this. Maybe it's the same thing. But Michael coming in at 75 kilo in change after all this time. And then he said in his post he was experiencing cramps and um, didn't quite have because his bench, uh, you know, he's he's a, a great bencher. And his bench, I think he did he only hit one bench there. Let's take this up here. If you don't mind. Uh, yeah. He got his opener on bench there. So um, he said he experienced cramps again. So I was just wondering what the storyline is there, why his body weight was so low and he's feeling cramps. Now might not, I mean, he has no reason to cut. I don't think unless he's worried about points, but I don't know. There's gotta be a storyline there. Yeah, money. I, I, you think he was cutting. So do you think money, he did another bro. cut? Yeah, it's too bad. It backfired. It keeps backfiring. I just want to see him go no cut, Michael. I want to see no cut, Michael, because I know if he commits to 83, if he hits a 782 and a half, 82 and a half, if he commits to, um, if because if he does a 785 kilo total at a, a little bit over 74 kilo, imagine he full on commits a weight class up. 
what is he capable of doing? He's going to tip over 800 kilo total, you would assume. And now we're, he'll be competitive. You know, he will be very competitive. I, I just, I want to, you know, selfishly be like, man, let's just go for it. But who knows? Maybe I haven't tinkered with the formula enough. If 83s are never going to win this. And he's like, nah, man, I tinkered with the formula. If you're an 83, it's not going to happen. What do you, what do you guys think? Are there a couple other performances pop out for you? I mean, for, for Michael, I was just going to say, yeah, it was interesting too how light he is because I, I would assume that like, you know, him and other people that are 74 kilo lifters, they probably walk around at maybe 75 and a half, 76, maybe some of the bigger guys, 77, and then do their cut. So like he was probably, I would assume that like, you know, when he was normally doing 74 at nationals and worlds, he was already walking around heavier than this. So that this, this, I wouldn't, I would not think this is his walk around weight. So maybe he did right. try and cut thinking that, okay, he's not doing the full cut, the 74. So he's not completely depleting himself, but if he just did a little bit of a cut, it would help him out in the points to uh, stay competitive. So uh, that was interesting to me too, that he didn't come in at like 77, 78, and then continue to fill out going into the next year. Yeah. I mean, and look at 785 kilos, still a huge total for that body. Let's be honest. That's a pretty big total, like 785 plays. Um, as a 74, you got one or two dudes that'll beat it in the world. And as an 83, it still plays. You know, you're getting close to eight. If, if he bulks in the 82.5 or whatever, um, he's going to be, I could, I would see 800 kilo plus and it plays, it, it plays on, on, on wherever you're going to be lifting. So it's good. He does a good performance. I just, we, he's going to have to choose a lane. That's where sometimes these money meets kind of get you in an in-between, right? Where you're, you're not sure which way they're going to go. Um, I I could easily see him like if he had not cut or fill out like squat 300 bench 200 deadlift 300 you got your 800 right there and then if he can get his deadlift back up to where it was before maybe he can get to 815 825 and be competitive with the other 82 and a half kilo guys Um, so that would be interesting the other one that was I guess uh, surprising or disappointing was uh, Charles Okopoko because I, I didn't watch it live. I was uh, running a meet on Saturday. So all I saw was some of the Instagram posts. Like, you know, you got certain views that you can see as far as depth and stuff like that. But even with him jumping from 255 opener to 275 second, you'd think, okay, it's Charles. Like, you know, he's he's won nationals. He's won worlds. He's done world games, raw and equipped. Like, he's been competing for a long time. He knows what he's doing. If he feels like he can go up 20 kilos and get the depth down, he can. And then he ends up getting uh, bombing out on, on squat. So... He ended up, you know, being out of the contest at that point. I guess he kept lifting. I don't know how much he tried at that point because I didn't watch the actual lifts, but he only got one bench in and two deadlifts in on the scoreboard. So a disappointing day for him. I w- yeah, two-time world champion, um, obviously multiple-time national champion. And he met his, at his peak is a phenomenal lifter. I mean, his, has anyone beat his 66-kilo total yet? That's, that's a record, right? Yeah, still, still the record until Panna competes coming up. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, it's like Charles is phenomenal. I'll give him this. Like in, like after bench was done at a six lifts, he only had one lift completed in his opening bench. Things weren't looking good, but in deadlift, he still hit a two hundred eighty kilo dead for a guy weighing in at sixty eight kilos. So he could he could probably make sixty six kilo um, unless he cut to sixty eight kilos. So I guess we I shouldn't say that, but. Anyways, for, for that, he still had a decent enough deadlift and uh, some strengths there. It is a bit disappointing because he is who he is. He came on the podcast uh, previously and phenomenal story. And he's, he's a good guy. He can bounce back, but hopefully it's not like 
he was in cutting depth due to, you know, cause he was injured. He took time off from injuries, lower back too. And he hurt himself squatting. So I don't know if it's gun shy and you're gun shy in training. Um, so maybe cutting depth here and there, and that becomes the new normal. Sometimes like squats get high sometimes when you do it in training repeatedly, he might be able to correct, like he should be able to correct this, but hopefully injuries aren't going to be a, a problem for him. What do you think of bill? I did see one post he posted on, you know, Monday or Tuesday when he was like weighing like 71 kilos or 72 kilos. So he said he did cut for this meat. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I guess for the points, whatever. So he's like, you know, I did all that work to cut down. And he's like, and basically I'm right back up to 72 again or something like that. So um, he did do a small cut or a big cut or whatever you want to call it for, for this meat. It seemed like from that post, at least, I don't know. If I he had gotten to but... the 275 and then with the bench and Delphi did get, that would have been 717.5. So he would have been right behind Daniel and maybe up there, not top 10 in placing. So it, it was disappointing he bombed out, but if he had just gotten like his second or third squad in, he would have jumped straight up to top 10. How did the 275s look? I didn't see his lifts. Uh, I, if I remember correctly, I only watched one it of them and it, it, it looked high, one of the 275s. I don't know if it was the second or his third. Did but you I see? Think, I don't think Can I saw a 255. I don't know if Bill saw it. Yeah, I just saw, I mean, I didn't, uh, yeah, I just saw one of them, probably the same one you saw on Instagram or whatever it was, and it was, it didn't look deep. But he still got, he got one white at least, so something. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Go to the jury. Look at Bill, the ray of sunshine here. That's what that's. Yeah, it, fair enough. Um, in terms of, uh, I'm just perusing here, Justin Rogers, I see, in and Marcus, I see some familiar names, and um, I mean, there, there was yeah, some. Justin mis- was interesting to watch Justin Rogers. Like I've, I've never, yeah, I've never seen him lift before. So he kind of um, surprised me as well. Captain, Captain America. He's yeah, real, I guess he's the real <laughs> Captain America. He's actually in the military. His name's Justin Rogers. Um, so, but uh, I don't know. John hack fans will come at you if you say that. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, apparently I'm, Justin had something where he, he, he's a bit was injured or something with, work or whatever it was where he basically didn't train like at all for this meet. He just kind of like winged it basically. (laughs) He he was, he was basically didn't deadlift for like four weeks leading up to the meet. The first pull he did was on the, you know, (laughs) the opening deadlift. Yeah. Or something like that. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting. So, but um, yeah, he just wanted to score some points and be in the meet and just have a, have a good time. And yeah. Yeah. Have fun. You you know, like, yeah, his deadlift didn't show up, but he got a 320 kilo, 705 pound third squat. I mean, the guy's all types of strong. Yeah, um, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you never know with opportunities, man. It, it, it pops up. You want to have fun. You think you could do what you show up and you put in the work and do what you can do. Um, but yeah, it is. Uh, Daniel Clements had a pretty good showing. Um, he's missing the 320 kilos final dead kind of, I, you know, he's good for it. If he would have got that, that could have changed some things. I, d- I didn't punch in the numbers, but um, that's some kilos that was left, 15 kilo left off the total. That would have really helped in terms of the points and shake some things up. I think you had him to end up pretty high there, Bill. So that would have. Yeah, had him a top five. Yeah. What's interesting too, like if um, you look at, so this is the only pro that will ever be IPF points, right? So going forward, starting in 2022, it's going to be all dots. Hmm. Um so the order for dots would have been Ashton, Austin, Petrie, Clements, and Bob would have been the top five. So, oh, wow. yeah. 
So that really changes things quite a bit there. Mm-hmm. Um, then it would have been, you know, Michael, Natalie, Sam, Jake, and Angelo would have been the, the six through 10 there. So that really changes things up a little bit yeah, there man. for sure. So we'd be talking a totally different Boston would have went like from out of it to collecting the check and coming in second to Ashton and everyone's going to come in second to Ashton. Like that's crazy. That's a huge shakeup. And this is, this is the thing when it comes to formulas is like, you know, if a new formula comes in three years, we look back at all these competitions and be like, you could revise history and be like, well, this guy who came in fourth would have, or this girl who came in fifth would have won in every, every one, all of them. You know what I mean? Like it's a revisionist history. It's like, ah, it's not quite as clean as the head to head that I, that I kind of like, but on the flip side, um, it's tough to get a, a bunch of head to head matchups all the time, unless you want to do something as big as us raw Nats and worlds. Every time when you're pulling from a talent pool that big, you're going to have a bunch of head-to-head matchups at least here and there, but you can't do that every time. Then those are two mega meets. So yeah, I, like I totally get it. It's just, that's the tough thing when it comes to formula. It's yeah, so... at, least at, at least at the raw nationals, they're going to pay out to the champion. That's good. Right. So of each way of each weight class, the, they'll get a payout. I think it's like going to be a thousand bucks or something like that. So at least there'll be head-to-heads going there and then there'll be points based off of some other stuff there for some, some more money too. So that'll be interesting. Um, and then, so real quick, I have the, the, the Wilkes, if you want to, you know, yeah, so go, go back to 2016 or whatever, uh, would have been Ashton, Natalie, Austin, Daniel, and Petrie would have been in the top five. Natalie would have came in second. Wow. Yep. I like the, I like Wilkes. <laughs> <laughs> and she, and so she would have been five, five points off of, Ashton, so she would have been oh. damn close. Oh my god! What would yeah. what, what would Ashton's Wilkes be? Because I remember what five hundred Wilkes was five seventy four. Natalie was five sixty nine. Holy shit! Wow. You have six through ten as well. Uh, let's see. So uh, Clemens Petrie was fifth. So then Michael C, Bob, Sam, Ray, and Jake would have rounded that out. Wilkes likes the big boys. I'm I'm surprised Ray didn't end up higher with Wilkes. Ray snuck in at ten. I mean, I mean, he is like, um, you know, what eighty kilos under his best total, or something like right, that. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, and how big was Ray's body weight again for this? One nine four. And how big is Ray historically? I want to take a look here. Not one nine four. Is this the that's, biggest that's we've the, seen? That's him? the biggest he's been. Yeah, really? so he was in the one. His last two meets before this, he was in the one seventies, um, and then before that, you know, he was one ninety. Then, you know, going backwards, you know, he was he basically gained weight every meet, kind of going forward. Yeah, you're right. He so he peaked out at one ninety point four at the Arnold in 2019, and that and, was his. That was the his best meet ever, and um, and his body weight significantly lower for the worlds that he bombed 176 and then the nationals after that 177 and you're right leading up to the arnold it just a slow steady climb at one point he was a teeny weeny 154 <laughs> and um a slow, what me was that at what me was that at uh it was probably let me see 2000 it was 10 years ago 2012 <laughs> big iron fall classic i remember yeah. it like yesterday Tori, Tori was but a child at the time. Okay, I, I still remember 2014 Worlds in South Africa. It was yesterday where he weighed like 160, 
And he was telling people back then that he can do bodyweight pull-ups and they didn't believe him. So when he went back home, he put up a video of him doing like, you know, 10 strict bodyweight pull-ups at 160 kilos. Listen, I remember, I can't remember what year it was. It's near the peak body weight. He was doing the agility ladder they do for football because obviously he's a football coach. He's got quick feet, man. He can move. Like some dudes artificially like bulk up. Like I'm not saying if Ray wants to drop weight, he can, but he's naturally a big dude. When you're naturally a big dude, you could move though. With some dudes like artificially bulk up and you see picture them, they're way smaller and they're like so immobile and nowhere near as athletic as like a Ray Williams. I remember so 20, 2016 worlds in Colleen. I go into the weigh-in room with him to weigh in. And he gets on the scale and just says, error. <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck? So they like, get off. He gets back on, error. So they had to go and get a different scale to bring it in because I guess he was over 180 or something like that for that meet. Um, <laughs> and the scale only went up to you know, 179.9 or something like that. <laughs> really? Damn. Because um, Rico Martin... The scale at Worlds capped out at 200 kilo, which is 441 pounds. And just right, yeah, so out, I guess, so he's full yeah, I guess the other scale was the 200 kilo scale or whatever, but it was yeah, just yeah. funny. Yeah, he gets on the scale, they're like, um, all right, it's broken now. So, yeah, what do I, we do? yeah <laughs> at least he's the heaviest dude. Because if, if there was anyone after him, they'd be like, all right, we don't know what your weight is. Your, your points are going to be your points. Actually, that's where Rico Martin at the IPF Worlds probably got some, someone should have protested his points. I mean, that's bullshit yeah. because he weighed heavier. I feel like that happened like to Thomas scales? Davis too. I'm oh, sorry. What's that? Bring in two scales and add them together. Didn't they bring emeralds? They brought in like two. What? Scales I thought you were joking. Out. He puts one foot on one no, scale, no, one I on the other, add the body happened. weight. That's that's something ridiculous that I would say if I was there. I'm like, hey guys, I got an idea. They're like, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. And then watch it fucking works. There, like, there have been there have been some people that were over 200 kilos, and I've heard stories back in the day of like, yeah, putting one foot on each scale. Yeah. Or, or like, or like, you know, a couple of times a year, they go get a, a, a weight at like a weigh station and they just use whatever that weight is for their meats and stuff like that. Wait, 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 like, wait, all... hang on, dude. This I can't tell story. you another story. I can't tell you another story, which is at uh we've had NAPF meet before where someone's over the weight. Cause some of the scales, like Bill says, are a hundred kilos max. Some are 200. But this person weighed even more than that. So they just asked him, like, hey, what's your body weight? And he was like, oh, 205 kilos. And that's what they put down. Dog, I, I can see you and Robert Keller in Whoa, a fucking truck. In, in a truck. And, and some 250-kilo monster from South America is in the back. And, and But but it's like it's like one of, the, one of those horse carriage things. And children are going, like, what's in the back there? And you bring it into the fucking... <laughs> some truck weighing station and it's some super heavyweight that's going to hit some monster squat. You know, like this is what we got to do. To- Listen, these, these, these stories may not be believable and people get made this <laughs> stuff up, but also we're like, we're thinking about like, you know, 2021, like if you go back, like, you know, into the nineties and eighties, it's not like there was Amazon and you can just buy like, you know, calibrated digital, digital scales anywhere and stuff like that. Yeah. People just had little bathroom scales uh, and then uh, if you went to a meet, you had an official scale. If they, their official scale only went to like 108 kilos, you went to 108 kilos. Or you had like a little school one where you had to like push the little weight. Who knows how much that thing went to? Like maybe 150 yeah. kilos. Dog, I, listen, if I'm that dude and they ask me how much you weigh, dead ass, Bill McCarthy face, I'd look at him and be like, 74 kilo i mean it, it, it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't really matter if you're a super heavyweight other other than if two people 
were that far over and they had similar totals. They're like, wait, who's going to win if we get <laughs> total the same? This is right. Well, this is true. You you would literally be like, fuck, what are we doing here? And that's when fucking Robert Keller pulls around his truck and he's like, we're taking, there's a way station down the way. I seen a fucking truck cop. Let's go, gentlemen, because there cannot be somebody that's got to win on body weight. Um, it is what it is. That would be amazing. Yeah, so the the biggest guy that I know of that's ever competed is uh, Jeff Lewis. You remember him, Je- Arian? Yeah. Um, who? Yeah, he's you know basically weighs in the two thirty to two forty kilo. Um, Jesus. Yeah. So if you look him up on like open eye, he's five hundred pounds. He's over five hundred pounds. Yeah, you look at open powerlifting, and like yeah, you know, last competed in twenty seventeen, and he was you know two thirty eight kilos. For, for for all we know, Bill, some of these stories are about him. Yeah. Well, sure I, they are. well, let's not put <laughs> Jesus. Let's not put a name to it after I've been seeing all these jokes. And I got to fucking run into this fucking gentleman. This but, um, lovely, so this lovely of, gentleman. Let me back up a little. This lovely gentleman. <laughs> so speaking of Ray, real quick, Ari and I were talking last night or two nights ago, whatever it was, and basically about our uh, last ever international coaching appearance is is Ray getting sick and bombing out of the world. So we're like, great, that's a re- end our career on that one. That's amazing. <laughs> wow well it wasn't your fault i don't think yeah. how do i spell lewis for jeff lewis l-e-w-i-s really e-w-i-s is it yeah. under jeffrey i can't pull him up on open Wait, open, open powerlifting? powerlifting you gotta go yeah i'm the... on open powerlifting it literally comes yeah, jeff up lewis, right jeff there. lewis number number two is a cpu lifter and then jeff lewis number one is a uh, u.s lifter Mine literally says Jeff Lewis number one is a uh, the CPU guy. Oh wait, here we are. All right. Well, you're on Open IPF probably. But... No, I, I don't go on there. I gotta because I, <laughs> I learned my lesson. I learned my I lesson. Co- I don't go on there. He's a he's Team USAPL now, dude. I I learned my lesson when we when we did this before. <laughs> yeah, my man is um he's weight as heavy as 250 kilo. That's 551 pounds, my friend. Oh wow. And he was in multiply as well, WPO, the whole the whole nine. It's interesting, man. I am actually interested now in trivia. The biggest powerlifter by weight we've ever had. <laughs> Two hundred fifty kilo. You got to let um. You got to let open powerlifting know to add a function where you can filter by body weight. So, sort it from heaviest <laughs> to know. lightest. Who the heaviest lifter and the lightest lifter ever were? <laughs> Do all the lightest lifters, yeah sure that's that's uh but i mean it's got to be an adult too i don't want to go into like okay. some, there's a seven-year-old like whatever but uh yeah man two, and, and i wonder because that's 250 kilo on the dot my man might have been heavier that yeah. might have been where that scale said yeah we're good you're 250 no clearly clear you just said i'm 250 like <laughs> clearly my stories about jeff lewis <laughs> it's legendary he could have been 300 kilo for all we know it's a thing of legend now <laughs> um yeah i'm gonna figure this out we got to figure out who the biggest power lifter of all time was at a certain point but anyways i digress we'll go back um i got a question for you guys who out of the virginia pro it do you think had the breakthrough performance we talked about some massive prs here um i don't know if you guys have pulled up in front of you real quick again a reminder brandon petrie totaled and he weighed in just over 93 kilo he out total with jonathan keiko the the world champions hit 
two and a half kilo, didn't travel, et cetera. I get it. I'm just saying in terms of breakthrough performance, if you need to a barometer, how good is he on the world stage all across the world? The answer is very good. Okay. The answer is he might be the best 93 in the world. Um, if, if we're going off the old, old weight classes there, cause he's, he's really small for a 100 speaking of a 100 though, Bob Matthews, who filled out the hundred kilo class 92 or 912.5 kilo total, 82 and a half kilo PR, which is freaking insane. Um, so could it be Bob Matthews? And he's in terms of breakthrough star, if you want to say, you know what, in terms of star power, Bob Matthews got a big following and maybe this is his coming out party. Or we got our girl, Natalie Richards, weighing under 57, a 485 kilo total. Certainly the highest junior total we've ever seen. Um, it's higher than Joey Namani's world record total, but lower than Joey Namani's all-time best. Um, you know, and I mean, conceivably, obviously, Joey's going to load up what she needs with the final poll, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, but either way, the point isn't a direct competition. The point is, in terms of how does it play on the world stage, maybe one other person out there is going to beat her at as a junior. So she's a special talent is the point. And then obviously you have... Um, Again, so if we're talking breakthrough performances, let's just leave it there. I have another follow-up question after that. We'll go around the table here, who we think the breakthrough performances are. I'm going to kick it off to Tori. Tori, who was your breakthrough performance? Mm, it's so it's difficult. For me, it's between Brandon and Natalie. But I think Natalie's was a huge breakthrough in the um, in the. Q&A I think she said or someone said that it was like her first really big meet um outside of like her hometown so for her to go to a really big meet like that and go nine for nine and like PR total like PR all her lifts is super impressive especially when she's competing directly against a like someone like Sam Calhoun who is like well established in the sport like I'd be so fucking nervous. <laughs> like if I was her <laughs> going against Sam Calhoun, it's like that that's that was just so impressive to me. So she's yeah, that was my breakthrough performance for sure. Good point in saying she went nine for nine. Um and it actually looked like she had I mean, she didn't try hard enough. I guess. <laughs> Um, it looked like she had more of the tank on all her lifts as well. So, I mean, she could have been, like Bill said, like she could have been pushing that 500 total for sure. Oh, easy, easy, easy. Like, easy. It, it looks like she had it in her. Like, <laughs> easy, easy. Let Bill do that. Let Bill. Yeah. What do you think, Bill? <laughs> Bill, yeah, let's, let's kick it Did over to Bill. Did she have then. the 500? <laughs> Bill, who's your breakthrough star? I mean, Listen, it's either Brandon or Bob. They're in the basically the two low-hanging fruit here, right? I mean, they're the, the their immense totals they put up are like, you know, crazy, crazy, crazy PRs. Um, and you know, they it was, you know, PRs were expected from them, but like again, like you said, like 80 plus kilos is like ridiculous. Um, you know, Natalie, again, 15 kilo PR, so not that immense of a PR, um, you know, same with Sam had like what a, a 10 kilo PR or a nine kilo PR or something like that, which was nice. Um, 
I, I mean, I really, I mean, Ashton's not the breakout star, but I, would I have liked to see him take, you know, 390 on the deadlift and like really blown that total out of proportion? Yeah, of course. But I mean, it's either got to be Brandon or Bob for me is the, you know, by far the breakout guys here. Um, they're going to be forces to reckon with going forward in this pro division, I think. The thing I, all right, I'll, you know what? I'll wait for my points here. Arian, let me hear it, love. Well, I was going to ask Billy, you got to pick one. Yeah, that's right, too. You're right, Arian. You got to pick one, Bill. No A-B this time. <laughs> all right, let's go with uh, Brandon. Okay. I'm glad you picked one because all three of those were options. So so Tori gave the case for Natalie. You gave the case for Brandon. The case that I'll give for for Bob is that with the um, – if you look at the current weight classes, the 93s, like, oh, like, you know, Brandon's going to be really good in the 93s, except the 93s are going away if he stays USAPL. So is he going to cut down to 90, which could hurt his total because – He's going to have to cut, you know, three and a half kilos, whatever it is. He hasn't weighed 90 kilos in a meet since like his very first meet. Uh, or is he going to go to the 100s? You go to the 100s, then you got to deal with Bob Matthews, who actually out-totaled you. Bob out-totaled him, out-totaled Jake, and which is just a little bit behind, um, you know, like what Anatoly puts up at Worlds. And then a little bit behind, obviously, Ashton, because um, he's just uh, ridiculous. So Ashton is ridiculous, but like it's something we re- uh, expect from him all the time. So I think I, that I'll make the case for Bob is like he just puts such a huge PR total in by moving up, basically moving up weight class, filling out his body more. And as he starts to fill out his body more, because he probably just walked in at this one, if he can go above the weight class and cut a little bit, he may be able to put up his total, especially the bench press a little bit more, the squat a little bit more, the deadlift is already ridiculous. Who knows? He might be in, get into 920s, 930s. And when when Ashton and Antoli's in the 930s, we're all saying like they're the best lifter in the world. So what happens when, when Bob Matthews is in the 920s or 930s? So that's my case for him. Good take. You just helped me. Here's the real quick. Here's the problem though with that. I'm going to give this right back at you. The weight classes don't matter. It's point based. But I'm saying it depends on whether we're talking about just the pro series and or if we're just talking about them going to all these meets, nationals, Arnold, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, either one of those guys is a good choice in this. So I have no issues with that. Let's hear what Ryan's ridiculous. Who are you going to pick? Oh, here's someone the, who wasn't even he, took a the, master from the set from Sunday. Really got to break out. <laughs> I'm 70, taking the Hickam monster. He's in his fifties, but he's coming back. He's <laughs> coming. Um, no. Okay. So here's the correct answer. It's, um, it's actually, it was the first answer. It's Natalie Richards. I'll tell you why. Uh, because while Bob Matthews for sure, a, a phenomenal total, if you're looking at it on the world stage, um, he would be like, if, this is how I, but there's I, no more, there, but you gotta remember, there's no more world stage here. This I know, is but, but, inclusive of their federation. This is the stage. Hang on, love. Yeah. This is yeah, the but, stage. But so I'm, it, this is how I'm gauging the performance. It's not apples and apples anymore, man. <laughs> I know, I know, but I'm, I'm gauging performance, right? So in terms of worthy rest with everybody all over the world, even though he only has to compete with Americans, but if I'm going to gauge on well, nine, nine, 12 and a half, and I'm looking at, you know, you can't help but look at some guys like Anatoly, who's, you know, like three kilo more or whatever, not a crazy amount of body weight more or an Ashton, et cetera. If I'm looking around there, I'm thinking, all right, you know what? It's phenomenal. And it was a huge 82 and a half kilo PR. But um, there's, it, if I'm stacking it against some crazy breakthrough performances, let's put a pin in that. It's phenomenal. Okay. But put a pin in that for a second because. Brennan Petrie out-totaled 
the the reigning world champion. I get it. He outweighed 93 kilo. But if I just need a barometer, where are we resting at? Where are we resting at here? Where does he compare to the rest of the field? If I have to gauge, give me some gauge, give me some measuring sticks, because there wasn't a shitload of people at this meet. Meet was amazingly run, but the difference was there's not a shitload of people there. There's a lot of people who weren't there. How does he stack against the other people? If these are the questions we're asking between Bob Matthews and Brandon Petrie, well, I tell you what, Brandon Petrie, there might not be someone else in the world. However, Bill makes some points. We we tinker with some things. If he stays USAPL. My man, when they flip the uh, formulas around, he's not going to be coming in second. He's going to be shuffled down lower in the rankings. And he's either going to make 90 kilo or 100 kilo. Adding seven and a half kilo to his body weight. Sometimes when you add body weight, it helps. Sometimes when you're already a big, thick dude, it doesn't always help as much. There's diminishing gains. Does he cut the 90? How does that impact? So there's a bit of, in terms of breakthrough star, it's tough. It's tough to say. Is if he stays, if he stays in USAPL or what his plans are, I, I, I just don't know his question marks. So then I'm like, ah, man, now I have two things against Brandon and Bob. If I need to split hairs. And again, for anyone listening, they did fucking phenomenal, but we have to split hairs to grab one. Now let's grab Natalie Richards, Natalie Richards. What she did as a junior and under the 57 kilo, if I need a barometer, she could win world championships and she could possibly be the best in the world any given day. Joy Namani is walking around there. She's done 492 and a half. As long as Joy Namani's out there, she can't be the number 157, but she's also a junior. So if I'm thinking breakthrough star who, who might be able to girl, what's that? What's the USAPL body weight for that? That she's floating around 60. It's 60. What's below 60? 56. Yeah. 56. Okay. Well, there it is. I don't think there's, it's she, she's 0.15 over 56. So let's be honest. There's not going to be anybody in the USAPL that's going to beat Natalie Richards. She's the number one. And, and there it is there. And then worldwide, if I do the same thing to Natalie that I did to the other gentleman, um, Joy Namani and her are pretty neck and neck. And, you know, Joey's had a previous higher total, but for a 22-year-old junior to be doing that, you know, and, and again, with Brendan Petrie, I get it. His total's a monster total if he wants to go 80, 93 kilo and do the IPF route, but we don't know if he is. And, you know, it's, I, I'm, look, I got to split hairs. And this is how I'm splitting them. And this is how I'm going to lean into uh, Natalie Richards. And I honestly think her top end is, she's got a big top end. Uh, 22 years old and her, her list looks smooth. We'll see. But I mean, honestly, if, if we're going to be honest, all three of these people had a breakthrough performance and that's what yeah. makes it exciting. Now, how about storylines here? Um, what do you think was the single biggest lift, whether by storyline, by significance for you? We had some records, obviously Jamar Wilson breaking some records. Um, and then we have the big one. What do you think is, what do you think was the most impactful? Of course, there was Angelo who pulled around his day with a big 350 kilo pull as an 82.5 lifter. He had, he actually weighed in less. Uh, I think he was 81 and change monster pull. Absolutely staggeringly huge deadlift with 350. Um, we had some big, we had some big pulls all around. Some big lifts all around. 
I think Ashton's miss is probably the best lift of the whole damn thing. That's the 400.5 to get it to his knees like that. I was like, oh, shit, this might actually go up. <laughs> Dude, hey, listen, if we're going to give props to a miss, that's a fucking miss to give. Uh, for anyone who doesn't follow kilos, that's um, 882 pounds. And Ashton got it to his knees, just above his knees, whatever. He had a bit of speed on it. It was crazy. Ashton and then- Leaning in is crazy. Go ahead, buddy. So his second attempt, the 377 and a half, is actually an all-time world record at the 110 weight class, which is pretty cool. So um, he was obviously looking to smash um, Canadian Bryce's record by like 25 kilos there. But um, yeah, no, that was that was good. I mean, obviously, it was good to see Ray squat a thousand again. Um, but again, we've seen it a lot of times. But at least this one was a little bit more special because it was you know, two years in the making kind of thing from when he had his last big meet at the Arnold 2019. So that was cool to see that. Um, hmm, trying to think what else really stood out. Yeah, I'll pull this up. I, single lifts. Um, yeah, or a moment. If you want to say a moment, you know what? I'm, I'm almost, I'm also okay with, look, here's, here's a moment for me. And I bet you Tori's going to be on board with this one. But um, seeing uh, Natalie after she goes nine for nine and doing what she did, break down afterwards and like had that moment, you you can't help but be like, fuck, that's sports, man. You know, like it wasn't a, she went nine for nine, it wasn't a single lift, but in terms of like a moment, you know, when you see somebody celebrate on there and you get to see it. Sometimes people have that in the warm room. Sometimes people are, you know, cool as cool as it can be walking off that platform. But sometimes when they let you in for a second there and show the emotion while they're on the platform and you get to share it with them and be like, that's sports, man. That that happens every now and then. And you're like, that that was that was a moment. So that's a good moment right there. You know, I might have just took Tories. <laughs> um, I actually I watched a, a like a little interview with Ray after the meet as well, and he was really emotional. And it made me emotional. Really? <laughs> like, what was he saying? Yeah, I, um, that this was like one of the best meets that he is he's ever been at, just because it was like two years in the making, and it just yeah. took it so much out of him to to get back here, and like with everything that happened with um the the bomb out at Worlds, like yeah, I guess this was just really special for him. But I think just having him as like the face of powerlifting, like everyone wanted to see him like do well at this meet. So once he made that 1000 pound squat, I think like for me, I was just so, so relieved. I'm like, Oh, the meet is good. Now <laughs> this is going to be a good meet. <laughs> I, um, yeah, there, there was, I think with Ray, it was almost like if I squat a thousand pounds again, you know, it's funny. Like Bill had said, there was a point where he was squatting a thousand pounds. So regularly he had a belt and he was notching, how often he squatted a thousand pounds. And at one point the belt was like, he looked like a warmonger from black uh, Panther when he had all those, when he, he took a life, he gave himself a little scar, took a shirt off and he had those scars. That was Ray's belt, man. The guy squ- squatting a thousand pounds and training and whatnot so many times. And it just shows you how life can go sometimes where maybe at a certain point, you've done it so often where at one point you've done it so often, you can almost take it for granted. And then life can come and change everything two years go by and you start second guessing yourself. The world starts second guessing yourself, second guessing you. And it's like, I don't know if I'll ever do a thousand again. And if I don't, who's going to, and like, it's, it's crazy. 
And then to do two years of this, to come back and squat a thousand pounds again, the meaningfulness, like where it was like, it's weird at one point to you, maybe it was probably meaningful, but it was became somewhat routine. And then afterwards you would have gave anything to get that thousand pounds one more time. And whatever you bench and dead, that's icing. That's good. But it's kind of icing on the cake. If you could just fucking squat that it's like Samson's hair grew out one more time. And um, so I'm glad you were saying about that interview where he's talking about like, listen, <laughs> you know, if I could get that thousand and I, and I've been waiting years and waiting for this. And I think everybody wanted to see a thousand go again. And um, yeah, it means something. We had a lot of big, we had a, a huge performance at worlds, but there wasn't a thousand pound squat. There's something about that. A thousand pounds got us on ESPN. You know, the significance, the historical significance. If a Ray can squat a thousand, I don't give a fuck if I bench him. You know what I'm saying? Just keep squatting a thousand, Ray. You're, that's it. You're, you're a man's. Um, so anyways, you know which way I'm leaning. It's the thousand pound squat with Ray. But um, it, maybe, and maybe all you guys agree with that. What do you guys think, Bill Arian? Everybody want Arian's up. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it seems like it could potentially set up for like a big moment. Like, yeah, the moment in itself of him doing a thousand pound squat and even getting that back over a thousand kilo total is like a big moment. But like, um, you know, he's obviously done it before. Like, you know, whatever, probably squat over a thousand pounds a hundred times before. But it could be that potential moment. Like Tori said, just listening to the interview, she was like mm-hmm. getting emotional. I saw Jen Milliken make a post about it, how she got all, all emotional about the rate comeback. And so like it's setting up that story for a lot of people of that comeback. Maybe like, you know, Jesus season is like, oh man, Ray's back. He did a meet. He's a contender again. I want to go and challenge him. Maybe he, they try and find a meet to do to go head to head finally, get that battle that we wanted. So then that could create the storyline of like, yeah, like Ray kind of like, you know, bombing out, falling off, being able to come back, do a meet, and then go and, and challenge this person again and like reclaim his throne and everything like that. So it could set up for this great storyline. Yeah, it's all, man, sports, like without sports, uh, like storylines and like a little bit of emotion into it. Um, you're just walking, watching a guy kick a ball or lift a weight or a girl dunk a basketball or skate up the ice. Like what, what, you know, you, we need stuff like this. Like it, there, it helps when there's an emotional attachment and a storyline to it. And um, yeah, I think for, to an extent, Ray squatting a thousand somewhat stole the show. I mean, we kind of certain things we knew, you know, we knew Ashton was going to show up and show out. You know, we, we knew uh, we had some breakthrough performances that were great. Uh, and it was good to see you need stars and you need a cycle of stars. You can't have the same people all, all the time. We got, you know, a few new people that really emerged like, hey, hey, here we are. Here's a massive PR total for me. Some people like, oh, I fucking always knew. Well, but it proof is in the pudding. For, for the know-it-alls who are in my DMs and in my comments, like, you know, well, but fair, but there's a difference between gym lists. There's a difference between <laughs> sparring in the gym and getting in the ring and actually winning a title and um, proof is in the pudding, right? Cause otherwise things would have turned up different for a lot of other people. It's interesting here. Cause we always, you know, you talk about this a lot more than anybody else, but like about, you know, the head to head matchups being the, the key, what everyone wants to see, right. Kind of thing where, you know, this was great with the points and all that kind of stuff. And there was a bunch of big lifts, but like, let's just say we fast forward to March and like the Arnold for the USAPL and you have Ray and Jesus going head to head, everybody's going to want to watch that thing. But based off of what we saw at this meet, neither of them are going to sniff any of the money for the, for that event, but 
that would be the key, the highlight of that event would be those two guys going head to head. And then you'd have like, you know, someone else sneak, you know, you know, totally 170 kilos less than winning some money. But, you know, regardless, you know, if we see that head to head in March or, you know, June in Vegas or whatever it is, that'd be great. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm a head. I like the head to head battles, man. I'm I can't, I can't lie to you, but I don't mind. Like, I don't mind the calculator as well. It's just, you, there's nothing that'll change the head to head like history when we move forward when we get a new formula because we're bound to at some point nothing will change that it is what it is like i i don't necessarily like grabbing a calculator and make okay this guy who you out total by 300 kilo actually beat you um but, but if we and then we have podcast recaps we're like but i also ran three other different formulas and let me tell you how the rankings could have been and like i don't i don't necessarily like that stuff man and most sports don't have it you know like you saying bolt wins that race and that's it man you know we, we judge it by seconds that's it man or like the you know the nba it's like well you know if you didn't count three pointers and you made all of them two points you know it's like, oh, fuck, man. I don't care, though. So, but like, I still he's like seven this. foot tall, so his points only count for 1.1 <laughs> right. 1 instead of right, two points. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I, but I'm saying I like this. Like, I don't want to, I'm not like, I, I do enjoy this for sure. And I, especially again, it's not feasible to bring in enough people to have the talent pool for head to head. Powerlifting's not quite there yet with talent pool. Um, so you just couldn't do that. You can do it like once with the U.S. Nationals, once with the IPF Worlds, and here and there taboo head to head. But other than that, it's 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 going to be tough. So I so this is good. This is this is one hundred percent good. But Bill, um, Bill, did you watch the live stream? I did not. No. Okay, I I, I didn't watch it either. And the only like uh, overlay I saw was like for one of Jen Thompson's squats, um, not any of the deadlifts. So I don't know if they showed the projected placing and the current placing or that kind of stuff, or people were calculating it. But it seemed like the original overlay just had the attempts. And also, like I said, on lifting cast, it was split by um, men and women. So you had to, like, look at the placing combined to see, like, oh, Natalie's inside, you know, fifth place with the women, with the men. But, like, looking at the third attempt deadlift, I'm trying to do it, like, really quick off my head. It looks like, obviously, Natalie was the first deadlifter in that final flight. So, like, when she did her final deadlift, everyone knows she has 115 points. And all the other guys knew exactly what to do. So then it looks like... Um, Austin Perkins took a 12 and a half kilo jump to get, you know, beat her by 0.2 points. And then that's when I guess Bob Matthews took the seven and a half kilo jump to beat uh, Austin by 0.2 points. And then at that point, Brandon and Ashton already had first and second sealed on their second attempts. So it seems like I just like for the back and forth at the end, it seems like those were the only changes like, okay, Natalie, then Austin, then Bob were the final deadlifts. Um, but I don't know how many people were, like you said, actually taking out a calculator and actually like figuring that out and seeing like, oh, what's he going to change the attempt to based on what? And then, you know, whoever Bob's coach was the day out figured out, okay, 370 is the number to put in. And that's yeah, I mean, where... as, as far as this, I mean, like, obviously, you know, my guy Jake Amendola was in the meet. So I was, you know, texting Jeff Cohen, who was handling him and be like, okay, well, I saw Daniel miss his last deadlift in the first flight. So he was at, you know, 112 point whatever. I was like, all right, well, Jake needs 320 on his third one to get him above Daniel, um, you know, because we knew there's nothing else we could do because pretty much all those other guys are going to pull after him. So I knew as long as we like, you know, jumped over him because <laughs> we were going to catch, you know, Natalie or Austin or any of those guys. But um, yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much the only math I really did that day was, you know, doing that. And it obviously helps when you have the the bigger deadlift guys at the end. And I wonder if Brandon's last deadlift at 370, if that would have put him over, that 118 
for Ashton for the win. And then, yeah, then Ashton, Ashton yeah. wouldn't have thrown away his last dead. But well, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. I, I just wonder if that maybe, or, or I wonder why Brandon didn't go for the win. If that's yeah, even if it was like three ninety or whatever, you know. Unless yeah, he felt, yeah. did he go? I don't have in front of me. Did he feel threatened by someone coming up behind him? Did he? I, I can't. I don't know if he. No, because Bob it, did. Bob pull after him. It looks like Bob pulled before him. At least how it's showing on the uh, lifting cast. Right. Let me take a look. I've, yeah, I've just as a little back back and forth kind of thing is cool. But yeah, so Michael C actually missed his second deadlift. Um, and you know, pulled it up to get into fifth place for the men over Jake um on his third attempt. Because then Jake, we would have had him in fifth. But and then Angelo pulled up and he bumped up, you know, a bunch of spots on his last deadlift for that big 17 kilo jump, too. Hmm. But you remember too, like with this whole pro series, like there's point, you know, from first down to the last, there's points given out. So they're gonna have a leaderboard. It's all on the USAPL website. They have a, a pro series website. So they have a leaderboard for all that stuff and everything. So it's gonna be cumulative throughout the whole meets. And then going into the Arnold 2023, I think it's gonna be the top five men, top five women are gonna go head to head for like, I don't even know how much it's gonna be, but it's gonna be their biggest prize pool. It's gonna be the 2023 Arnold. Gotcha. So people, go I was going to say, Bill, it looks like uh, Brandon's last deadlift would have still gone on 117.5. It looks like he would have needed okay. like 380, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he didn't make it anyways. It doesn't matter. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's probably like, I don't I don't even know if I'll get 370, so I don't know about 380. <laughs> to a certain yeah. point, and he didn't get 370, so he's like, Yeah. There, there is loading up and then there's like that shit's not going to leave the floor man so <laughs> you know like i don't know it is what it is yeah, you- yeah i wasn't even thinking bill about the the overall pro series standings aspect that people are fighting like you know move from 10th to 7th or like 9th to 8th because they'll get a little bit more points for the overall standings and when they do nationals they'll get points there as well try and make that arnold finals yeah that was kind of the whole thinking with jake with just bumping up making sure we we're over daniel so at least we had that and then going forward, dots. Jake screwed anyway, so Daniel, Daniel will be okay. So <laughs> it is kind of weird, yeah. Like this was the one to get in on. Then if if this particular formula helped you out, right? <laughs> which you did, Brennan, because apparently Brennan, you were saying with the next one, it's going to get shuffled down a little bit. So yeah. and then Austin's back in the mix. The the other thing I was going to uh, mention uh, earlier when you're talking about Ray, I saw one of the videos I was talking to Bill about the uh, earlier is that. It was interesting to see him go do a thousand pound squat, rack it, and then he hobbles off the platform and grabs David, his coach, and puts his arm around him and then his other arm around Matt. So it was, must have been dealing with some kind of injury. But imagine like you're capable of squatting a thousand plus pounds and then you hobble off like grabbing your groin. Dude, uh, well, the thousand pounds might have done it and like the adrenaline and everything. Yeah, like thank God he got it. Thank God he, look, there's nothing like a thousand pounds loaded up and you're the spotter. And you're like, oh my god, this is that is there. There's that is a really tough spot um, when, when the big boys are shifting weights like that. And um, and Daniel Clement, man, at a seven twenty two and a half kilo total, just over sixty six. Like that's a killer total as well. All time uh, world record, baby, is sixty seven and a half. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's an absolute monster total. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, and is that all time with the untested as well? Uh, I don't know. I just looked up the tested portion of it because there hasn't been a lot of 
on untest there's a guy michael estrella that's did 738 yeah he's getting close but um huh yeah, yeah i mean with the the uh if he had gone i guess that last deadlift he would have been at yeah. 735 is that what you're about to say tori yeah <laughs> So he would have been, if he would have got the last deadlift and he's capable of, he would have been three kilo off, even the untested. That's freaking crazy. So yeah. there you go. If you want a barometer of how talented Michael Clements is, he's knocking on the door of the untested all time record. Daniel, sorry. <laughs> Did I say Michael? <laughs> you, yeah. combined, you combined the first and second place. It's a super lifter. I'm combining, I'm making a super lifter here. His middle name's Ashton. It's remarkable. Um, <laughs> So let's talk about this really quick. So USAPL was posting some stuff about unofficial world records. Okay. How do we feel about this? Considering now they're, they have left the IPF, right? Or the IPF kicked them out. Sorry. Um, <laughs> voted them out. So like, I, it doesn't make sense to me why they'd be comparing to the IPF stuff when they have their own federation going on now. Like, I don't know. It just seems kind mm. of strange for them to post that right away. Um but I understand what they're saying. Like, hey, listen, Natalie beat the total from IPF Worlds. But if they would have just warded it differently, it would have been come off a little bit better. Because I know they even had some of their own lifters, um, including myself. Like, just like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, like stop comparing now. Like, th- th- that's the past. We're done with this. You know, we don't have to say unofficial world record because that's not part of the, our federation anymore. Like, they just need to say, like, you know, Natalie Richards totaled more than the IPF world champion or, or something like that. Right. I mean, I don't know. I just, I felt the wording it was a poor wording on the USAPL part. The, the problem with that is going to be then what is, what does the IPF do when someone out totals? Like, are they going to be like, in, in case you're wondering, this would have out totaled uh, like, like I, I don't, I don't I, honestly, I'm like, I know, um, I would say leave it to podcasters and shit like us to do stuff like breakdowns like that. There's a lot of them. There's a million podcasts out. We can do like, you know, let me give you a barometer of how Brennan's total would be worldwide. Let me give you, we'll break it down for you like that. But I think like, kind of like what you're alluding to when you're the national body, you don't want to drop down in there like that. You're not a pundit. You're not a, a color commentator. You're the national body. It should be factual. This is a, a record your record, your national, like your federation's record. This is a placing as opposed to getting into that. Like in the, like hopefully we're getting away from that. There was a lot of bullshit earlier this year on social media, but like mudslinging, let's not turn it. I think some people are turning the corner where they're like, if you're leaning into that, um, you know, let's not, let's just, let's just do our own thing. And these performances stand on their own. And then it look at very least from, from the fed itself, give factual, let's start turning in a corner on that. And, and then um, there will be a fuckload of people in comments and then podcasts doing all that kind of stuff. So, you know what I mean? Like, let them do it. Cause you, the IPF won't, the IPF's not in turn going to turn around. There's also something about be big, be big where you don't have to validate yourself by comparing yourself to someone else. You're too big. Like when the IPF isn't like, just so you know, this was bigger than what we've seen at us nationals. They won't because they'll view themselves as a global body. And they'll be like, it makes us look smaller. Why would a global body be compared? So be big though, act big, 
you know, that's a good, that's for like everybody at times, right? Is like, I try at times to be like, even, even personally, people should like, think about that when you're going to try to get at somebody. Uh, but, um, for sure, if you're the global body, that is my feeling anyways, but good conversation piece. Do you guys agree? Or maybe you like a little spice Tori, what do you think? No, I agree with you. I think the results should just speak for themselves. Like, look at how these are like elite level lifters and the USAPL put on an amazing meet. And I mean, you look at their points and like you look at their totals. And I mean, anyone who knows powerlifting is like familiar with lifters at IPF worlds are going to look at these lifters and just automatically compare them to lifters at worlds. And maybe that's intriguing. Like maybe us lifters will be like, yeah, I I do want to join the USAPL because they have these amazing lifters rather than choosing another federation just so they compete at, that can compete at like IPF worlds. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, well, that's it too. You keep throwing the name out worlds out there and people are constantly thinking worlds. Whereas it's true. Like, like uh, mind your product here. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, like if you're constantly comparing yourself to worlds to validate yourself, I'm not saying I say constantly, they did it once. I'm just saying if you stop there and don't moving forward, keep comparing yourself to someone else because you keep bringing up that someone else. And then people are like, why are you, you know, is that the standard? Should we all be comparing ourselves to the IPF? <laughs> you know? So you don't also want to do that as well. Arian, what are your thoughts? Kindness of search. Yeah, I have to agree. I wonder if it was like a one-time thing. Cause like, you know, it's still like a transition period, even though IPF has kicked out USAPL, you know, they're still like updating, you know, new weight classes, updating the website. They're switching from IPF points to dots or there's this transition. So maybe someone who posted or came up with a copy, maybe, uh, is not like a, uh, you know, experienced powerlifter. Maybe they just kind of like went and looked at it and said, okay, you know, I'll just write say it's an unofficial record. And going forward, maybe they'll word it a different way. Like they could have just said, you know, it was the biggest deadlift in total in USAPL history for that weight class and division. Like they could have just compare to USAPL. Or they can do what some of the other federations or lifters from other federations do, which is just look at the all-time records. So you just go and open powerlifting, see that Joy has this, the first biggest total in that class, and Natalie has a second, could have just say, you know, number two total all time. Didn't even have to say IPF or world record or anything like that. Well, that was the it, funny thing, right? Because you had Ashton and you had um, Daniel who set all time world record totals. And there was no mention of that. There was just like, oh, American record. Or no, it wasn't even American record total because um, for Daniel, because he was in the, in the 74s for the time being until January. So, but yeah, it was just interesting that they chose to go that route instead of, you know, which is, now listen, the all-time world records are, are now the USAPL world records, right? I mean, that's the bottom line here. Yeah, an all-time world record, and then it gets kind of weird too. Where um, do you say all-time world record because you're talking across all feds, including untested? Like you got to be careful. You want to compare yourself there, or do you just say, "Look, let's just talk about our own records"? Because we we don't want to also compare against the untested if that's what we're alluding to. Because historically speaking, in our community, when we say all time world, like they all, like I say they, the untested often go after world all time world records. Usually, it's theirs. They have their weight classes are different. Not not the case anymore with USAPL, and obviously they can use whatever they want. I, I don't I don't know. Though you know what, these are things I think they're going to work out the kinks because the weight class has changed their federation situation has changed. So maybe they'll start talking about this in the background and be like, okay, do we want to compare to this? Do we want to compare to that? Maybe once we start setting more records in our own federation under these, um, 
new slash old weight classes, maybe then we just start using our own referencing our own Federation records. Yeah, they could have like a pro, pro series records and that kind of stuff, or however they want to do it for sure. Yeah. And if they ever get any, you know, international lifters coming over, I mean, then they you know, add add some stuff into that that way too, with actual, you know, instead of just being U.S. you know American record type of stuff. It would be. I would think it would be still USAPL record because they consider under USAPL because it wouldn't be because how else would you turn if you had a guest lifter? Yeah, you just called maybe a USAPL international record that like, you know, anyone can break. Whereas like a national record, you have to be like a, a US citizen with the USAPL regular membership. Or like Bill says, you can have the pro series records and any international person can come break the pro series records. And maybe going forward, if they build their prize pool enough, like if you break a pro series record, you get paid out like a thousand dollars, something like that. That would be so cool. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how it all unfolds. Or you're um, going to be a pro bencher in the USAPL soon. You can c- come down. <laughs> come on down. <laughs> be the first international uh, bencher in the U.S. Pro Series. Invite me. Arian, invite me. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else we should talk about this? Or we want to do like a couple minutes on KOTL after dark? <laughs> Only a couple minutes? Well, <laughs> I say that. The, the, the only other aspect I, uh, I thought we were going to discuss and maybe worth mentioning was just um, I understand they did it from the lifter perspective, which was like they waited to load the bar and say bars loaded until the lifter kind of completely came out. The red carpet was ready to go because it was like a long walk from behind the audience up the red carpet and then around the platform to get there rather than just coming out from the side. So I understand they did that from the athlete perspective, but from talking to Bill for 25 lifters, which could take usually like, you know, four hour session, it actually took like six hours. So I wonder from, well, they're benefiting, it benefits the athletes. I wonder if it hurts her from a viewing perspective, because like, who's going to sit around all day and watch the live stream for six hours when no other sport you're going to be watching for that long. And maybe they need to find a way to make it more compact to get people to just watch and then move on. Six hours, my man. To finish the conclusion of a flight on a session? It was two, two flights, yeah. Two flights, 12 and 13, because they, were, they weren't putting the collars on, apparently. I didn't see any videos, but they were holding on the collars, waiting for the lifter to come all the way up to the end of the red carpet, then tightening up the collars, and then the chief referee says bars loaded, so then the lifter can just come around and go. So, I, so you'll see the conclusion of a flight, but then the thing's not over, because people in flight one are fighting people, like battling out with people in flight two as well. So you do have to watch both, conceivably. So it will be six hours for a conclusion. That is probably a little too much for sports for, for powerlifting, man. I don't know what I can watch for six hours. Like um, UFC cards that aren't six hours long, you know, that, that, yeah, that is one thing. I didn't know that. Um, Cause I was watching the highlights as they're coming in and, and the lifting cast and then just posting as we go, like as quickly as possible for people. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is a one-off though. I mean, I can't imagine yeah. like in the, in the equipped pro series, they're going to have someone their knees wrapped yeah. and they're, you know, waddling <laughs> up there like, on this red yeah. carpet. Like. Things will change. <laughs> things will change. Like this is the first one you, you, uh, so things will change on the fly, but you, it is. You say, you say that bill, but they also give ramps for equipped lifters. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> was it a Czech, <laughs> Czech Republic or whatever? Czechia. It's yeah. a three day session. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, well, you start seeing uh, like all the smaller like... lifters get carried up by their handler. Mm-hmm. You know, put them on the stage. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure uh, nationals and Arnold or USAPL is running will be more normal and uh, you know be faster paced. But I think that's what they need to go for is do as many lifters as you can fit to have the depth and have all these stories and have all these battles, but still make it short enough where people don't have to be there all day. If you can get it to like a two and a half to four hour session, you kind of make it like a regular sport. People come in, they watch and get out of there. Yeah. What were you going to say, Tori? I just waiting for your next attempt. Like how long was it in between each attempt? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like waiting for the next person to like walk all the way down the carpet and like, then walk all the way back before you walk out. Jen, 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 I'd be Jen, like taking more squats in the back room. I, I saw the video of like Jen Thompson walking down and she's like fist bumping people in the crowd and high fiving them. Tori's like next, like come on, hurry up, let's go, let's go. I'm cooling down. I'm cooling down. Tori's heckling from the side. Let's go, let's go. Right, Tori's like Tori's all pissed off about this. I'm like, oh, that sounds amazing. Like, yeah, you know, like twenty minutes off in between attempts would be, you know, ideal. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends on the on the lifter. Uh, it'd be favorable for a guy like Ray Williams, though, a bigger man shifting yeah, some crazy weight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, let's do a little KTL after dark. How are you guys doing for time? Before we do this, everybody Whiff. okay? We don't have to spend all damn day on it, but we were talking earlier about um, how I was getting into it with team uh, great, great Britain. And um, I was talking a little smack in the stories and I happened to say, you doing the accents, you doing the accents, not going to help. Your it ain't going to help, man. It's not going to help. I'm catching beefs <laughs> next time I'm at worlds. It's going to be an issue, but um, I'll, have to, I'll have to warm up before then. But um, so I was saying the wire is better than top boy. Both of them phenomenal shows. And then I put up a poll in the Brits or in my DMs, like, uh, we don't even watch The Wire over here. And I'm like, oh, my shit. And, um, and they're all about Top Boy. So I thought, hey, let me guy, get your guys' perspective, not on necessarily those two shows, but what are a couple of the best TV shows as you see it of all time? I can go first if you guys want me to go first. Do it do it let's fucking do it so here's what's gonna make my my, i'll just do three off the top of my head um i'm gonna say breaking bad is in there and i'll tell you why in terms of character development when you see him in season one and uh, the main star and he holds his brother-in-law's gun and he's all nervous his brother-in-law's a cop and he pulls the gun out and there's just for whatever they're, they're at a party or whatever. He's not like pointing it or whatever. He like, he had it on him because he came back from work or whatever. And he was super nervous. Like, Oh my God, that's a gun. Is it loaded? Holy shit. What is it? And he's like, relax, relax. Safety's on. I'm like, relax. Man. I got to carry this around all day. And then you know where he ends up. And it wasn't cheesy or corny, quick little scene where, you know, he watches someone get killed and then the flip switches. It's literally a slow progression and you have never seen a better show for character development from one season to the next. And it's logical and it makes sense. And when you're in those scenarios with them, you could actually be like, Oh my God, if I was in that scenario, I guess I would have to do that as well. And it just progressively gets worse scenarios as he works up the ladder and it actually makes sense. And you can actually relate to him. So in the end, when he's a fucking monster, you actually, for the first time, can see how does somebody who was married with children end up where he ends up 
and becomes a monster. You can actually see that progression and it makes sense. And it's actually semi-relatable. You'd be like, well, what would you do if you're in the scenario? You might, if those scenarios unfold, end up in the same path. And it's very hard to do. Usually you have to take a leap of faith and make fine, whatever, if I was in the scenario, I'd react that way. This way, they did such a good job of the character development. Breaking Bad makes my list for no other reason because of that. And it was it was a, a twister, all, like all the, all the different plot twists that, that went along the way. There it is. I won't chew up too many more. Bill, you want to go next, Playboy? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm one of the most popular shows of all time in mean, Seinfeld. I mean, that kind of hit right as I was growing up, you know, like, you know, was, was hitting while I was in like middle school time, you know, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, that kind of thing. And I just, you know, I could probably recite every line to every episode. I've seen them all so many times because they've, re, you know, played them on reruns and all that kind of stuff constantly. Um, and it's just like, it's almost a perfect show. It's just like, you know, these four ridiculous friends doing ridiculous things. And it's hey, just that's us. literally... It's really yeah. Tori's We work now. Tori's elite. It works now. Holy shit! I just realized that. Where's your puppy shirt? <laughs> yeah. Now I gotta watch the show. Oh my god! You're showing your age. Stop it. Stop I mean, it. yeah, that show probably ended, but you know, before she was born. So, but um, there. yeah, but I mean, again, it's it's one of the best shows of all time. I mean, you know, just ridiculously funny, and then. And it's just rewatchable too. Like you can just rewatch the episodes and you know what's going to happen. You know the lines, but you still kind of watch it anyway. And and the acting is like not even good in it. And it's just the story is just so well written because it's about nothing. It's so stupid because it's just the everyday scenarios and how they just put themselves in these stupid scenarios. And uh, it's just, it's perfect. It's a perfect show. If someone didn't live through it, and I'm, I, I lived through it as well, it was everybody watched it was so colossally big it was the first show ever that per episode the cast was making a million dollars and this was back in the 90s so a million dollars was like a fucking lot um and the characters man like like george Costanza, kramer like they were so good we've we had never seen anyone characters like this and jerry seinfeld essentially played himself but became america's sweetheart you know what i mean like he essentially played himself but he was so good in his role um it, I, it's hard for me to explain to people who weren't around for it how big it was when they announced they're stopping. And um, every, it, was, it was on the cover of magazines. Everyone was like, holy fuck, they're stopping. They stopped in their prime. They didn't wait until the, the views and ratings started going down. It was a massive deal. And they said, for no amount of money will we continue because we want to stop on top. And um, it's not like they didn't have an amazing run that was going on. I don't know how many seasons they had. They had a lot of seasons too. Still was number one. It was consistently number one with a bullet. Nobody could go head to head with Seinfeld. Difficult to explain how big that show was. And this was at a time before streaming services where it was channels on your television. So the amount of viewers you get was exponentially bigger per TV show. Seinfeld's ratings, when you saw how many people watched Seinfeld, a show cannot come around now on a streaming service that'll ever go to bad against Seinfeld's ratings. It just can't happen. It's like, um, back in the day when Muhammad Ali fought at one time, he had 80 million people watch him. Whereas Every now fucking time. So easy, all sudden, easy. It works. It works. Listen, listen, easy, like, easy. Everybody's waiting Every for time. It. Easy, it works. But what I'm saying is things have changed where Conor McGregor gets 4 million, it's a big deal. And back in the day when there's fewer options, you get 80 mil. So I'm just saying in terms of significance, 
um, culturally, some people now won't know, like they'll be like growing up in this era, they'll be like, well, we have big shows now and a lot of people view them. It's like when Bill and me talk about Seinfeld, my friends, everybody you knew because you didn't have the options, literally like the, the millions and millions and millions, it was so much bigger than any show we have now. So you can't compare something now and be like, well, this is pretty big too. No, the answer is no. Uh, so yeah, man, Seinfeld, I remember it. it's literally like a piece of our lives when you grow up in that era. Bam. And yeah, I had the dose in boxing in there. <laughs> who wants to go next? Tori or area? You got the two people who don't watch as many TV yeah, shows. That's right. That's why it's about okay. to fall off. Me and Bill went in and it's about to fall off hard. Tori, you go. You sound like you're about to go. The, the only show that I've ever made it through to the end is Bates Motel. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that show. Is that part of it? American it's, Psycho? It's based, on, it's based on Psycho, yeah. But I remember when I was younger, I had like I had Psycho on DVD. It was the only movie that I had, like on my, uh, like in my VHR thing for my little TV. So I'd watch it like before bed. Every what? Day. How old were you at the time, Tori? I was okay. like, ten. Holy shit, Tori! Yeah, it was the only movie I had in like in the house that I was living in at the time. So then when it came, the show came out, I think it came out when I was like 15 or something. I was so excited. I was like, finally, like <laughs> a, a newer show that like I'm actually interested in. And yeah, I ended up just rewatching it like over COVID. But it was, it's the only show that I've ever been able to watch all the way through. I think it's on, it's on Netflix. It's on Amazon Prime. Is it? Okay. But yeah, it came out 2013 and ran until 2017. Um, okay. really, so, so you don't watch series very much. No, I heard Breaking Bad was really good. I've watched the first episode probably 10 times. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> every now and then, you're like, like, fuck it, I'll try. Time. This is the time. <laughs> you're like, fuck it, let me give it another go. Fine. You're like, let me start back off on page one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to read page one again. And then after, yeah. pa- after the first episode, you're like, no, well. Really? Yeah. It's so, so what do you, what do you, do you just not into like that medium of, see, it's fascinating to me because I fucking love shows. Yeah. My, my boyfriend loves watching TV too, but as soon as he sits down on the couch to watch, I'll like find something else to do <laughs> just because I don't want to sit down to watch. Really? I don't know. It's weird, but I can like sit through a movie, just not a TV show because I want to, I don't know. I'm so type A. I want to make sure that I can like follow along with it or like commit to it so if i feel like i might not be able to commit i'm like what's the point you've been hurt you know? that, that's what's happening you've been hurt what show was it it was what show what show hurt you you know what it was breaking bad it was breaking bad <laughs> hurt episode. it was i saw your face when i brought it up and it was a fresh wound you're like oh my god not this show again you're like oh fuck me i was like okay there's a story there we'll uncover um yeah, I mean, some people just don't. Uh, yeah, like a movie. Uh, I'm a movie guy. Well, at least you're, you're into movies. Like you do sit down and watch things. Like it's tough. Like there's nothing like sitting down, have a cocktail, relax, and throw something on. But it's true. If you don't know if you're going to commit to it, you know, like how long, how many episodes in until I'm hooked? That's I'm the like big thing. Timing the day that I'm going to be done the show. <laughs> there's nothing worse than you're like four episodes in and like, when am I supposed to start liking this? Cause I don't know if I carry it. <laughs> like, you know what? There's nothing worse than you're like, Oh no, I'm five, six episodes in it. I, I don't just know if wasted I carry it. six hours of my life. <laughs> right. This is six. And this, that could be like 
your Friday evening for the last six weeks or something like, well, this is fucking six weeks of, you know, this is my Friday evenings. I mean, I'm a little pissed here. I thought it was going to turn around. I was, I was told it was good. I know what you mean. And that happens. Believe me. There's somewhere like I'm people are trying to, I'm, I might make another run at it, but people wanted me to get into Ozarks. Didn't work for me, man. And then I, I had the same feeling. Like, ah, fuck. Do I oh, I actually made it further with, I did try Ozark. I made further. I made like five episodes, I think. I probably and then made I around five. Up. <laughs> I made around five. Maybe you, could, you should do sitcoms. You should try Seinfeld because <laughs> because you could di- di- the Seinfeld, The Office, you know that kind of shit. Because you could dive in and out anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I've watched anywhere. The Office here and there. It's I good, haven't right? like started from like episode one, but I, when people tell me like, "Oh, this episode's good," I'll like, I'll go and watch the episode. There's, hey, you know what? This is the best thing for you, Tori. No commitment, baby. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no commitment. Nobody gets hurt. No commitment. <laughs> yeah. Nobody gets hurt. That's what you tell your boyfriend when you put this on. No commitment. <laughs> nobody gets hurt. And he's like, what the fuck is going on here? He's like, we're going to have to talk later because yeah. there's some, but, uh, but honestly, um, I started getting into like, I'm doing, if I'm doing uh, like cardio or whatever, the shit on the treadmill, I'm like, I don't know how much. You know, if I want to get into a series doing this, you could throw on an office or a Seinfeld anywhere in the catalog, any season, one-off episode. It's fine. You know what I mean? There's no side stories that's going to throw you off. That's it. Sitcoms. My boyfriend started Seinfeld like a week ago, but he's made a schedule that he watches it like a few episodes every single day. Like he's run a few Seinfeld. It's been like two weeks. He's like almost done. I'm like, I'm impressed. Shit. You know, after this podcast, you're like, fuck, this is a wrong time to bring up. Honey, do you want to redo Seinfeld again? He's like, are you kidding me? You kidding me? Yeah. You kidding me? He goes, I just listened to Ryan go on for 20 minutes about how significant it is to impactful. And he sold it better. What can I say? How impactful Seinfeld. It's going to change my life, apparently. Yeah. But uh, you start putting quotes as you're watching it. Do you know in the 90s, they were making a million dollars in the first show? You start dropping all this But um, yeah. No, uh, uh, Arian, what are you saying, my man? I was going to say, it's interesting here. Uh, Tori says uh, as soon as her boyfriend sits down and watch a TV show, she just pieces out and does something else. I'm she's, out. She's like, I'm okay, you, you, you watch the shows. I'm going to go over here. <laughs> you, but, um, Tor- yep, yep. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Now, I was going to say, the issue is there's just so many shows out there. And if I don't start watching one and fall behind, like, my buddy's like, you have to go back and watch and start from season one. I'm like... Man, I gotta go back and watch. So I missed a lot of the big ones that people say, like, oh, you know, it's amazing. Like, uh, like you were saying, you know, The Wire, The Boys, Ozarks, Dexter, uh, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. I never watched any of those. Walking Dead, never watched any of those. Oh, there's, there's, there's way too many. Um, and then just for this thing, as far as, like, you said, oh, tell us the top three, you kind of have to, like, categorize it just like the movies. So, like, you were saying, like, sitcoms. I feel like sitcoms is completely different. It's hard to compare, like, Seinfeld to, like, Breaking Bad, I would assume. So for like, and for sitcoms, same thing you said, in and out. So I watch a lot of sitcoms because you can just turn one on. So Seinfeld, Curb Your Enthusiasm, It's Always Sunny, How I Met Your Mother. If you want to go into more of like the cartoon anime stuff like Simpsons, South Park, Family Guy, Futurama, I used to watch all those stuff. So uh, I do like sitcoms. And if I had to pick one, I got to go with Bill too. I got to go with Seinfeld because that's like, you know, that that's the, the greatest is like, but just as he said, how important it was and how culture was. Everyone knows all the lines. Everyone knows all the, the big episodes and stuff like that. Um, Simpsons is kind of on that level too, but I just have to put, you know, Seinfeld above that. 
Uh, as far as more like drama, action stuff, uh, TV shows, like I said, I didn't watch a lot of them. A couple of the ones I did like were True Detective and Mindhunter. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Good call. Season one, True Detective. Season two was garbage. Uh, I was going to say, well, I was going to say the interesting thing about True Detective was that it's like the one offs. So, like, the seasons don't connect. It's just like one story, you watch it, and boom, it's done. And it's a brand new cast, brand new story. Though they did have a good cast for the second one, second season. I watched it. Yeah, it wasn't as good as the first one. And I was actually looking into it tonight, and they did do a third season in 2019. Uh, I never watched it. I don't know how many people were aware of it, but I'm guessing it wasn't as good as that original one. But still, just getting getting names like I was pulling back up the the actors like Matthew McConaughey, Woody Harrelson, Michelle Monaghan were in the first season. Colin Farrell, Vince Vaughn, Rachel McAdams were in the second season. Those are some big names there. Tori, that's one for you. If you don't want a big commit, um, oh shit. Okay, well, I'll I'll say this in a second. Uh, th- these series are coming to me, but True Detective for real, True Detective. Good call, Arian. That first season, you only need to watch one season. Matthew McConaughey, who's like an Academy Award winner. Like, you know how good Matthew McConaughey is. Mm. He does such a good job. And even, you know, sometimes you see like a movie and you'll see a scene where they're just talking in a diner or they're in the car talking, but it's such a phenomenal back and forth. It was like a riveting scene that like no action or anything, but there are moments when those two Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey are in the car talking or whatever, some back and forth. And it's so good. Um, And the payoff at the end is good. It's a good series. And if you just want like a good dramatic series, that's not like, like the thing with breaking bad, you got to be deep into the series. This is just one season. And then you walk away because it's, it's decent. It's, it's good. I was going to say, Go ahead. Oh, I was just, uh, I just finished Matthew McConaughey's uh, book that he wrote, Green Lights. And he said that in that show, True Detective, like he like came up with everything on the spot. Like there was no script. Well, he what? had like a rough script, but most of it, he just came up with on the spot. And that was the case for like most of his movies and shows. And that was like his thing was just being able to like act on the spot or like develop the character like as he went along which i found is really interesting that's why i like a lot of his like movies and tv shows so yeah i feel like i would like that listen you want to talk about character development for him period when he first came in the scene his movies were terrible he just like was a pretty boy who took a shirt off and they're like his movies like in a rom-com and all the girls liked them but he wasn't like an actor actor now he's an academy award winner he is one of the best we've ever had like he's so good like what he did in dallas buyers club was so good what he did in true detective so good and when you get to a level like matthew mcconaughey you don't have to um like go on to script like if you start doing your magic in like the scene in the conversation in the car and you just start doing your thing and you're the director you're not holding the notes beside you like oh fuck he's off script we should say no you don't say you don't say a pig you let Matthew do his thing, you know, because Matt, that's that's Matthew McConaughey. That's how good he is. Is this book good? Yeah, well, I I uh, have Audible. I listen to it, yeah. and he's the one like um, narrating. So yeah, it yeah. was it was really really good. I'll probably I'm probably gonna listen to it again this week. Honestly, it was so good. He's, he's a super... such a good story. It's so crazy. He's a good. Um, he's a motivational guy too, and he's got a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, crazy life. Yeah, so at least freaking um someone that surprised me with the crazy life too was you guys remember Jewel? Yeah, the singer. She <laughs> Tori, she's too this she's 90s. <laughs> it's it's all right, she's from 90s. 
but she was on Joe Rogan's show and talked about her life. And I like when I seen the next person, Joe Rogan, I'm like, I was never really a jewel fan. She sings folk and whatnot, but all right, whatever. I'll throw it on. And holy shit, does she have a great story? And she's got a book out. And I'm like, oh my God, I might read Jewel's autobiography. Like 1990s, early 2000s, six pack lab, and I would not be impressed with that. <laughs> He'd be like, what are you, are you kidding me, dude? What happened? Uh, but uh, yeah, you never freaking know when it comes to like somebody's story and how good they are at telling it. But um, and I feel like, what, were you, what, what was the series? I thought it was, there's something else I was going to say there before I got on to True Detective. I, I distracted you. Oh, I think you I got saying, another one. Okay, go ahead, another buddy. one, you guys. All right, so don't judge me for this, but Survivor. <laughs> no, I hey, fucking love Survivor, <laughs> doggy. We're showing our. I'm gonna go off on this in a second. We're showing our age. You go ahead, buddy. Okay, more than, so, more I mean, than Jersey Shore. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, Survivor started in like '98, like the first season. Like I was basically or '98, '99, whatever it was. Um, you know, just in, just fresh in college, whatever, watching this thing. And like, I just been hooked ever since. Like, it's just the, the physical aspect of it, the strategy of it, the whole reality show portion of it. Like the whole thing just captivates me the whole time. And I just, I love the, love the damn thing. And then they do like the all-star seasons and they bring all the old people back and that kind of stuff. I can't get enough of it. And I think it probably goes off of like, you know, go back even further when I used to watch like the, real world and road rules challenges and all that stuff which <laughs> you remember those ryan yes <laughs> the mtv yeah yeah yeah. so it's kind of the same kind of thing where you basically you know all these people that you're kind of following through this whole season and they're going through this and that and someone gets voted off and like everyone's crying and upset and this person's hooking up with this person like it's just there's so much drama going on but it's also supposed to be at least real which makes it seem even better for me but just the whole yeah the aspect of the the physical of it and the strategy part really, really works well for me. I like that a lot. Let me tell you. Okay. So um, a little background on this one as well, just like I did with Seinfeld before survivor, you know, now we have tons of reality TV. Um, actually we had probably a little more about 10 years ago, a little less now, I think, but um, anyways, survivor was the first big one reality TV show. And I remember when it came on, and it says, I think it came on in uh, September 13th, 1997, um, a day that will live in infamy. And it came on the air. And I remember people talking to me like, well, what is it? And we had no idea unscripted television where there's people, not actors. And I remember like, this was wild concept. You have to remember before that, there was no show that was a reality TV show. I'd be like, what are you talking about? Our name's Tori. His name's Arian. And what are they doing? They're on a fucking island. <laughs> like, 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 hang on a second. Like, who plays Tori? No, no, no. Tori is Tori. Arian is Arian. They're competing against each other. Like a game show. No, no, no. Not a game show. Not a game show. They're living there. And the cameras are following them around unscripted. And they have challenges to do. And, and people are like, what the fuck? It was wild. That reality TV had not happened. And I, I remember it was like a really weird concept for everybody to pick up that, like what reality TV was after survivor, a million reality TV shows started rolling out um, eventually. And I remember at one point, the news was like the first reality TV show, the news, because the news previously had huge ratings and started getting like bombing in some cases. Um, but yes, yeah, survivor was the one that broke it. So that's another show that, 
if you're from that era in the 90s, um, you remember the impact Survivor had. And it literally, Survivor, Bill's killing it tonight, Survivor changed television. Just like Seinfeld changed television, like it's the biggest show maybe of all time. Survivor literally changed television and created the a whole genre, um, the reality TV shows. Uh, I was going to say it's probably hard for the young people to understand the concept too because now you have like Instagram and YouTube and stuff like that. People put out episodes on there where you're just following a person. And like you said, back then there was none of that. Like, wait, Aaron's just on an island and we're just filming? You know? <laughs> it was crazy. Like literally, you're, you're right. Like it's hard to even articulate the cultural impact it was on us because of before social media. So nobody's weren't famous. You yeah, weren't nobody. Huge gap. Now everyone's fa- a huge gap. There was like you. And then there was like Brad Pitt. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it was, it, there's no such thing as an in-between. Whereas nowadays you're famous within your community, like the powerlifting community, or kind, but you're not really famous, but like in your community, you know what I mean? Or, and there's a million little communities like that in social media. And there's like a million, like, like social media, you have like a, it's weird. It's different element, but you can be a totally normal person with a massive following back in the day. If you weren't making it to the Oscars or the, or the Emmys, cause you weren't on a massive TV show or a fucking do- TV or movie star. That was the gap. Okay. You, there was, you just weren't actually famous. It was crazy. It was a totally different. It was totally different. And so when survivor came, very difficult for us. Like they, 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 they produce stars. And then afterwards, some of the survivor cast, because there was no infrastructure laid for them. There's no social media. There's no other reality TV shows yet. So they're like, what do we do with these fucking people? Cause they're big names. So they're like, they made a movie. I remember there's a Rob Schneider movie, a comedy. And they're like, let's fucking cast one of the people from survivor. Can they, can they act? I don't know, but she's the leading lady. She's pretty, she kind of, you know, personable, but they just threw her in there. They're like, she couldn't act. And, and that was the only movie she ended up doing because she, because she's throwing a situa- situation she couldn't handle. But they're like, what do we do with these people now? They're, they're viable. They're, they're marketable. They, they are on the biggest TV show we've had, but we, they're literally not talented. And, and if there was social media, they could have carried through and kept moving because you know what I mean? So it's, uh, and then afterwards, Big Brother came bachelor and then literally the same people started bouncing around from those and then um, yeah, survivor is one of the is one of the first ones that i re- remember people actually having like watch parties for yeah yeah like yes. literally like people would just have like parties at their houses and like we're gonna watch you know episode five or you know whatever the new episode was and like they'd be all distraught and they'd be like betting on who's gonna get voted out and stuff like that and like bars would have like survivor parties and like specials and drinks and stuff like that when the show was on it was like it was a crazy crazy thing it like took over it was insane and you got to think it, now they're on season new. like 41 or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to think this was all new. Like it was like a fucking Super Bowl when it came on. And because it was so new, like here's the tough thing. It's tough to imagine but there will be, but it's tough to imagine the next new thing. So when it happens, it's crazy. When you, when you live long enough, you've seen enough new things or like, I remember the first reality TV show and we went nuts for it. I remember before social media. With you know, and like, like, it, it was crazy. I remember before cell phones, like, I'll meet you at, I'll meet you at the mall, and I just gotta take your word for it. You're gonna be there, like you said you were. You know what I'm saying? Because if you couldn't catch your ride, you pissed your dad off, or you missed the bus. I guess I'm walking around the mall, like, fuck, what happened to Bill? 
<laughs> you know, maybe I'm there. Maybe I'm bumping you a half hour later. Maybe I just walk the fuck home. And later on, I call you up and be like, sorry, dude. You know, that shit would happen. It was wild. But um, yeah, anyways, me and Bill and Adrian ourselves are fucking geeking out right now. <laughs> this just happens on KOTL after dark. That's crazy that they still have it going. Like Forty-one seasons. I didn't know they did either until I googled it. That's insane. <laughs> that is full-on insane. Um, yeah. I mean, something like like uh, The Simpsons. Bart Simpson would be my age if he actually aged. It's been around forever. Yeah, it, it, it's just it's just <laughs> interesting for a reality TV show that was like so big early on that they're still going and they're gonna have their forty-second season uh, next March. Like, people are still watching it. Dude, it's, uh, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it is crazy. It's because the cast rotates, obviously, so to an extent, it's not going to get old. But there are some game shows, dude, like like um, Price is Right and shit that's, like, yeah. generational, yeah. man. Wheel like, of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune or whatever, like, that's just generational, dude. They, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy how long they've been on the air. And talk shows, which are dying. Like um, the Jay Leno, the late night show or whatever the shit uh, or the tonight show. Sorry. Um, some of these shows, like, cause Johnny Carson had it back in the day. And some of these shows are full on dying now. Like this is one thing that podcasts have done. So the new, like not only social media, but podcasts come around. And now like Jimmy Fallon and those shows will get like, I mean like atrocious numbers, like numbers, like fucking like a hundred thousand to 200,000 viewers, which is like, bottom of the barrel like no one's watching essentially and then a podcast like the joe rogan would be like millions like like millions and millions and millions so now you could do like at one point if you did one of these late night talk shows you were uber crazy famous now you're like i might show up but or i might do a fucking podcast that's instead of having five minutes because they're their format you have five minutes you know what i mean we're or, or 10 minutes maybe. And it's just all bullshit questions. Or I could do like an hour and a half straight up and go an in-depth conversation, free flowing, not question and answer bullshit. We have to be a little nervous. Do you have a gotcha question for me? What's going on here? No, we're going to have a straight up conversation. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I mean, that's something else that's culturally shifting. The death of the late night TV show. I think they'll always be around, but they're dying. They're, they're, the people watching are like old. It's Saturday Night Live. I think, I think it's, it's SNL is doing pretty good. Is it now? It might be coming back around. I don't know. When they bring famous people on, like, they have some really pop- popular shows. Like, the last one they had, or the last really popular one was with, like, Elon Musk. That one blew up. Did it? Like, there yeah. Was, yeah, and there were so many memes about it, too. So, I guess that helps their case. 100%. <laughs> when people start making memes about it. Yeah, as long as they're putting as long as they're putting it onto youtube or stuff like that i mean yeah. then it's gonna get a play right but like you know have you do you watch it live like once a month <laughs> once every two months right that's what i mean so you don't right so yeah, yeah. so yeah so you know you'll catch the skits and you know whatever they yeah. pop up on you know facebook or instagram or you know youtube or whatever it is but like you know again watching it live same thing with the the late shows and all that stuff like if you want to see somebody you might just type oh so and so was on this show okay mm-hmm. so jimmy fallon uh interviewed blah 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 and it pops up and you just watch it right at your own convenience instead of being up at 11 o'clock at night yeah. you know when you're probably binging something else at that point so <laughs> yeah that is um that's how saturday night live has adapted they've done a well where it's like okay we're doing sketch comedy so it's a series of sketches and they've just they've almost like 
adapted the sketches even to be like, okay, how long does our, our YouTube, you know, how long do we keep people? How long should these? And they're almost like chopping it up appropriately. And it's given them a second life. Cause for a little while there, they were, they were hurting. And now they've come around a little bit to a bit of a second life. I'm starting to hear it depends on who the guest is, but there's another generational show like Saturday Night Live was like, like Jim Belushi for God's sake. Like, what are we talking about here? And like way back, like Eddie Murphy when he was a kid, like we're talking way back in the day there was Saturday Night Live and it's still kicking. Um, I haven't seen it, but back in, there's another thing like back in the day, I remember when I was a kid, Saturday Night Live was everything. Saturday Night Live was huge. Um, and it was, again, no streaming. You have nothing else to watch. What are you going to watch on TV a Saturday at like 1130 or whenever it came on? There's very little. You're watching Saturday Night Live. Their ratings were fucking bonkers because there's nothing else you're doing. There's no such thing as going online, Tori. The internet didn't exist. Dave, I watched it when I was younger. That's what I did. I'm scaring you that there was no internet. You're like, you're like, stop it, old man. You're scaring me. Stop telling me. You're going to ask your boyfriend. You're like, is that true? Was there no internet? He's <laughs> like, yes, yes. I've heard about it. We call it the Dark Ages. <laughs> right, right. We just play pong, pong and watch SNL. It was fucking wild. <laughs> I don't even know how we got by. It's crazy. But, uh, but anyways, dude, this is a pretty good KOTL after dark. I threw this out here. Was like, I don't know, man. We're tired. We, I just threw this out here for you. Never know how the conversation is going to come up, though. Okay, Ryan, as a real quick, does anybody? Oh, good. <laughs> Um, as a Canadian, how do you have you ever watched Trailer Park Boys? You know what? Um, I've like for sure I have watched. For sure I like some episodes. I wasn't as into it as some other people though. Some other people are so into Trailer Park Boys. Um, is it bigger in Canada? Is it play other other places? Is that weird for me to ask? Or is it mostly a Canadian yeah. thing? No, it's huge in US. Okay. Is it okay? I know it was made yeah. in Canada. I wasn't sure if it ever, some things don't make it across, but um, yeah. Okay. Well, fine. there it is. Cause it was pretty big. Was like, so have you guys yeah. ever watched letter Kenny? No, I haven't, but no. that's oh, Canadian. So that's too, Canadian that was like a big thing yeah. when I was growing up though. It was well. big. Growing up. I mean, it's, it's only a couple of years old. I forgot. We do young jokes. No. on. <laughs> no, no, but legit. That, that's <laughs> I mean, that's one of the funniest shows on TV right now, or, you know, streaming, whatever. Uh, Letter Kenny is just like, just dry humor. Like, it's just, it's a, it's a good show. You know, t- check it out for sure. And then obviously, if you guys, you guys are Canadian, so there'll be more jokes in there that you all understand that we don't kind of thing, but maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Um, so my question is Is anybody watching anything or any current shows that you like the best right now? That's still going on. It's still, you know, and I appreciate because I actually need to dive into some shows. I'll tell you what, I tried to get into, I started watching a little bit of Handmaid's Tale. Um, it's it's good. It didn't keep me, but I might double back. I started Is that watching, still going on? Is that Canadian? Uh, I don't know. Uh, no, Handmaid's Tale, I don't think it's Canadian. Okay. It's, it's, it's super violent and um, it can be rough. <laughs> but uh, it's like a utopia future, but dystopia. Cause every, every, like they're, you know, they think it's a utopia, but it ends up being a dystopia, blah, blah, blah. One of those. Um, I started watching Vikings, which is an older show. I'm told Vikings is good until season three, four ish. And then most yep. people check out. I'm good. I'll watch it three, four seasons. And then here's another one. I saw a meme the other day that couldn't be more true. They're like, 
sometimes if you're at dinner party, don't know how to how to break the ice of someone, just say, um, so what season did you leave Walking Dead from? And everybody leaves Walking Dead I at saw some that point. Too. Everybody leaves Walking Dead at some point. Nobody's still watching that shit. I I I, I don't know. I don't know how they're getting ratings, but I can't believe it's still going. It's it's the same thing, over and over. Like it's the same thing. I can't. I I'm an early leaver. I I wouldn't. I fucking. I don't want to give spoilers, but a couple of the mean people die. Um, and I was out when then, and then I doubled back because they were like, "Oh, there's a new guy back." he's a new bad guy. And I'm like, all right, let me see that. The guy with the baseball bat, the fucking barbed wire around it. And I just watched the one episode where he literally BP two, two people to death. And I'm like, Holy shit. But then it got boring again. And then I was gone all over again. So I don't know, man, that's one show I gave up on a bunch of times. And that was what I was going to say earlier, actually a year. And I remembered is that meme where it's like, here's an icebreaker you can use. When did you stop watching walking dead? Um, but yeah, in terms of shows, um, I'm starting to do Vikings and the guy who who's in Vikings, he's in a new show. So Vikings, I don't think they do anymore, but it's on Netflix now though. So I'm backlogging it. And um, the new show he's on raised by wolves. And I think it's an HBO show. It's only one season deep. Fucking phenomenal show. If you, anyone wants to start a show raised by wolves, the same star from Vikings. I didn't know about this guy. But I Googled him and he he's uh, he's my age in his early 20s in the early 2000s. My man was the number one top male model in the world. Calvin Klein, the whole fucking night. This dude was famous as shit. I didn't know none of this. I didn't even know who he was until I started watching Raised by Wolves. I didn't even watch Vikings. I'm so late to this. He's super uber famous. He was in Australia and he's like an Australian or whatever. You can't tell by watching it because he disguises his accent. But anyways, um. There's two two that I'm I'm rolling and the boys, the boys is a super good show. If you're into sci-fi, check out the Expanse. It's on um, Amazon Prime. Uh, the last season, the six season six starts like next week or something like that. It's just uh, basically it's like you have people living on Earth, people living on Mars, and the people living on like the outer planets, and they all kind of go to war together. It's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I, I had some people um, telling me to get into that too. It's tough because I heard there's a, the early ones don't have the budget. The later ones do have a budget. If you hang in there, is that yeah, true? The beginning's good. But yeah, so it was actually on Sci-Fi Network the first like two or three seasons and then Prime bought it up and then put some more money into it in the later seasons. But um, no, it's still even the, the, the early stuff is, is good too, for sure. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. I. I I got some more, but I want to use it all now because we're going to do more KOTLs after dark, I'm sure. I, I was going to say, you guys should just drop that nonsense. What you should be watching right now is Tiger King Season 2. Oh, fuck. I didn't even see the first season. <laughs> well, there you go. You can binge vote. <laughs> I, uh, I couldn't believe they made it number two. What are we doing? I mean, what I guess it, 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 was, it was so big for Season 1. They can't say no to money. So they're like, okay, let's do Season 2. Oh, it had to happen. Yeah. So the, the like, first oh, season... Sorry, I was gonna, didn't the first season come out like April of like 2020, like exactly like when per- everyone got locked per- in? Perfect yeah, timing. <laughs> Remember all the memes came out and they're like, "We're gonna do lockdowns. We're not how we're not sure how this is gonna go." And this shows Trump and he goes, "Release Tiger King." <laughs> it was like it was like their it was like their weapon or their package or whatever. He's like, "Time to release Tiger King." It was um yeah, I, man, I, I remember the first lockdowns. 
I was just going to say, I don't know if there's any uh, current seasons right now, Bill, that I'm watching, but the stuff that, you know, f- either finished recently or waiting for the next season to start, things I can think of where everyone watched Squid Games. That was pretty good. Uh, the Witcher starting back up soon. Cobra Kai. Uh, Loki was good. They're going to make a second season. And The Mandalorian, waiting for that to start up again. I'm big on Mandalorian. Oh, sorry, Boba Fett is, is like this Oh, yeah, month, they got right? that one as well, too. Yeah, a little spin-off from that, yeah. That'll be good. I'm not feeling. Yeah, I guess Marvel's been doing a good job, but they kind of rolling out all those different um, series now, keep people in, in, invested in that. So that's good. Yeah, and Star Wars, same thing. So those have been good. Uh, mm-hmm. No one mentioned Game of Thrones. Anyone watch that? I mean, that Huge. was one of the biggest I'm, shows I'm of all time. Knee deep yeah, in it. That was a good I, one. I don't like how it finished, but oh my god, I was so invested in it. So there, there. <laughs> it's one of the only shows that like. Um, so I I was watching it. Yeah, I had a bunch backlog. Like I came to the party a little late and I'm catching up and um, I won't give it away for anyone listening. Spoilers, but there's a couple episodes. There's an episode where after I watched it, I fucking had to like back away and I was like, holy shit. Like I couldn't, the, the, not only the graphic violence, but you see graphic violence in movies and shows, but graphic violence on characters that are key characters in the way they set it up and had it happened by surprise, but then when it started happening was like, and people you know, you know them enough. You've seen them. You, you've seen, and the way they died and, and the way it happened in a tragic setting, the whole nine, and like slowly, piece by piece, these events were happening. And you're like, I was actually, one of the few times I was for really real rattled. And I remember I fucking called up my buddy. And I'm like, holy shit, dude. And he's like, you seen the episode, huh? The red wedding. <laughs> I'm not gonna say none. I'm not gonna say. I'm gonna see what happens for spoiler alerts. Alerts, but the red wedding. Oh my god, rattled me, man. Like I was like, I've never been. I never felt like this before. He's like, that's. I know, bro. I know. Um, I, I watched it. I mean, that was. No, I was gonna say I watched it and I saw it was on a lot of these lists. If you Google like you know top TV shows of all time, I just never thought it was as good as everyone else made out to be. I feel like they dragged it on for so long that like oh you know they're coming, the bad guys are coming, bad guys are coming, and like it takes forever and forever. So I didn't think it was as good as people claim, but I saw it was on the list. Um, but also we may or may not have watched one of the, the episodes at Collegiate Nationals in Ohio State on the five giant LED screens of this group. Maybe, nice. maybe, maybe it didn't happen. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but like Ryan said, the best thing about that show was like, if you didn't read the books ahead of time, so you didn't know what was going to happen, and you're like, man, I oh, love this guy. He's, he's going to do so. He, he might be king sometime or might be queen, whatever. And you're yeah. like, oh, wait, it just fucking died. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it okay, was, who's my next favorite? Oh, oh, yeah, they just died. Like, every week it was them. someone new. You're like, what the hell? It was the way they off them too, man. It wasn't like... Right. um it was like like staggeringly br- brutal like 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 ugh. but i guess like, that was also one of the good things about that show is like they didn't try and keep all like the popular characters around just to keep the viewers watching they're like no sir we're, we're killing them off no sir <laughs> no sir it was bad um sopranos has got to be mentioned so is the show lost yeah jersey baby let's go <laughs> jersey baby jersey the- crew the other show I used to watch all the time, I don't know if you guys ever watched it, was 24 with the whole nah, I wasn't the, 24. The, 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 the whole, but the whole idea of being like, you know, it all happens in 24 hours and stuff like that it was like an interesting concept. A lot of people liked that. A lot of people did. It was a huge show. 
my roommates back in the day loved it and tried to talk me into it. I'm like, nah, I can't do it, man. But, um, but yeah, it was big. And um, yeah, Sopranos is absolutely monstrously big. And so was Lost. And they were, the, Sopranos and Lost were early days with the mega series on streaming. When we're making the transition from TV to streaming services like HBO, et cetera. And those ones were like big shows that were unique for that time as well. Um, with like swearing and full on violence because it's like not television television. It's like paid television like HBO. So it was like shocking what they were able to do. And um, cause that's another thing, like for a while, their TV was kind of late you, cause it was television. So you weren't allowed like swearing and crazy violence. You couldn't do a game of Thrones until the streaming services came. It's crazy, man. It was a different time period, Tori. I wouldn't know. You wouldn't know about that, Tori. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Anyways, all right. We can wrap it here because we gotta we gotta keep some um and go in. I'll go into bigger detail and some the significance of certain shows, events, whatever the hell. Um, but until next time, let's let's leave. Let, let's also let everybody. You know, I gotta get better at this. Next time, we'll we'll, we'll remind me. Um, we could do off the top where people can reach you guys for coaching, et cetera. Tori, you do coaching as well with the strength guys. Are you taking on clients or what's the story there? Yeah, I do my own coaching right now. And yes, um, I am taking on clients both for strength and nutrition. And yeah. Drop your Instagram. Hand. Yeah. How do, how oh. do they get a hold of you? <laughs> my Instagram is Laparelli, L-A-P-E-R-E-L-L-Y. Don't ask me why that was the first handle I've ever had. And I'm just going to keep it that way. <laughs> I thought you rhymed that on purpose. I thought this was like a thing you oh. already practiced. LLY, no. don't ask me why. <laughs> um, oh, why? Because I got to And I was like, holy fuck, was that a promo? But she just cut a promo. <laughs> no, I guess um, a lot of people couldn't pronounce my last name when I was younger. So that's how everyone would say it. So I'm like, oh, that will be my handle, I guess, when how I made my Instagram account. <laughs> how do you how do you pronounce it? Uh La Perriere. Like I'm the... not French, my parents are, but <laughs> maybe Wait, it's said a different way. That's how I, would say <laughs> I love it. that. I'm not French, my parents are. <laughs> I love that. She's like, I'm, I'm Canadian. Do I sound French? No. <laughs> do my parents? Yes. Oh no oh, okay. shit. Gotcha. Um, are they from? Are they from uh, originally from Quebec, or are they from like for real France? Right? Quebec. No, Quebec. Yeah. Quebec, oh, okay. my my dad's side is from Quebec. Yeah, from Ontario. Do you speak? Do you speak French? No, I can't. No, her speak parents do. She's she's not. He's said that I'm not French. She's you not a French. She's not a That's French shooter. <laughs> That's that, you're not a French shooter. Um, I guess not. <laughs> It's a yeah. I I went to French immersion. I can speak a little teensy weensy bit, but it's easy for me to understand it, it, or even better yet, if I read it, so I can take time to process what the words say. But um, that's crazy, man. I wonder, like, it'd be weird having a kid who can't speak your your you know first language. Like, I would be like, man, I got to teach this kid. It's crazy. Did did he try to? And you're like, man, I'm not having it. <laughs> no, like I, they didn't like speak it fluently growing up either. Um, just like just my dad's side is French but like yeah they like I never learned French they didn't speak it fluently growing up I think it was kind of lost um, oh. from my grandparents on my dad's side yeah so that's where the French last name comes from but unfortunately I'm uncultured, <laughs> uncultured. 
Never enough, man. I wish I could speak more languages. Can you guys speak multiple languages? Not really. I, I can speak multiple languages poorly. Oh, that's how many languages? What you got? Uh, what you got on the menu? Farsi, and then my Spanish is probably worse. How good are you at Farsi? I mean, Farsi speaking, I'm good. In, I'm good at it. It's, it's reading and writing. I can't do it all. Spanish, at least, I like learned in in school some reading and writing, but I just probably forgot a lot of it. For good. for both for both of them, it's more like. I know the structure. I know the basic words. I just don't have the vocabulary to speak. Because you always ask me, "Oh, you need to come and translate uh, for this." I person. was just about to ask you again. But, I but like, I like, I don't know. In Farsi, I don't know how to say like squat or bench press or delf because that never came up. Like when I was growing up as a kid, yeah. like those specific words for that specific subject matter, I, I wouldn't know. Hmm. hmm. But if you were, <laughs> but... <laughs> but if you heard the words, would they come to you? Is it like that? No, because I mean, I've never, never heard never what, de- what what Delft is called in Farsi. <laughs> well, you have to. If, do, you, if well, you heard a word that you never heard before, you're not going to understand what it is. You know, <laughs> it comes to you. It comes. It just the universe sends you. What, what I would, what, what we do is like we have in. to do the. We'd have to do the podcast, and I secretly like, put my phone next to the uh, yeah. speaker and have Google like translate it for me. I'm like, yeah, hey, I know what he's saying. That's the awkwardest. Your face is like. In your mind, that's how it would play out. Hey, I know what he said. It is so smooth. Then when it fucking happens, I got a guy from Iran who gave his time, and you're like, oh, fuck, it's not working. And the look of panic on your face when your Google Translate's not coming out in time. But um, I do want to get some. The thing is, though, people give me feedback. Every now and then, if it's a special show, bring someone in and do the translation. But it's difficult when it's a podcast because there's the breakup between question answers and whatever, right? It could take a while. So um, it's different if it's like a video and you, you know, sometimes the person's, when the person's talking, you actually dub over the translator and there's no waiting in time. If that makes sense. I don't know if I described it properly, but anyways, but if the person's, you know, if it's a really big fish that you catch and like, fuck, we got to do this. We're bringing in an interpreter and we're doing our damn thing. (laughs) It is what it is. I mean, I should think I tried to end this podcast like five times. I just, <laughs> this is a podcast that won't go away. I'm glad we're not drinking. We'd all be drunk by then. We'd all be. <laughs> Coach Aaron K, get the lift. All right, bye, guys. <laughs> there, there it is. There it is. All right. Till next time, like, subscribe, uh, wherever you listen to us, subscribe, give us high ratings. Much appreciated. And post it up in your Instagram stories, and I will repost. Thank you very much. Until next time, six-pack lap it at, and we are out.